are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Hey, hey, hey. I think that's how he does it. It's Roman Kelly here from the Mike Rutherford Show. Mike Rutherford obviously isn't in today, as some of you may know. He's down in uh, Disney, living it up with the fam. You've got me today, Haven Harrington from Wake Up 502 with Rashawn Myers on Saturday mornings. will be coming in to join me in a little bit. Not the whole show, but he will be here a little bit for me. I will admit, I am quite nervous. This is about the second time I've ever done anything like this. So, uh, 502-414-1450. I'm relying on the text line today. You guys uh, asked me some questions and whatnot. I do have a list of topics here, but I do want to, you know, get your all's questions and uh, thoughts out there as well. So, let me know if you've got anything here. Again, that's 502-414-1450. Big X Studios here. Oh, we've got a texter already. Roman, I need your picks again. We went four out of five. Four out of five? We went, we didn't, we, we hit everything. Kyrie, 25, Steph, 5 plus, Celtics, Moneyline, Knicks, 76ers, under. Everything I sent you, that hit. I was, it's one of my main points today was that all of my bets that I gave out yesterday were green, and if you took them, you should have hit something. Along with the likely play that I gave of P.J. Washington to hit two threes as well. That wasn't even a part of my, you know, big bets, but that was another likely thing that I liked, and it hit as well. But I do have some bets for you all today. We'll get to that a little bit later on. A lot of big games last night in the college basketball world. Well, not a lot, but some big games last night, some exciting ones, both women's and men's. Not necessarily men's, but the women's. College basketball slate last night had some upsets to it that I want to get into. Um, I want to talk about there was a interview with Montrez Harrell today and Matthew McGavick talking about the TBT tournament, some things like that I want to get into. Of course, we're going to talk about some Louisville basketball. I'm going to get my opinions out there. I feel like there was way too much UK talk yesterday, so we're going to have to fix that and uh, get some UofL talk out there. I'm going to try to try to be positive, too. If I can, I feel like all the things I've said so far about UofL has, haven't been too positive, the basketball team at least. Um, if you've ever heard me on Rashawn's show, I've had a lot of positive things to say about the football program and what they're doing. But I do want to, you know, give a couple of positive thoughts if I can, if I can find some. Um, a lot of things to get into. Texas are already sending a couple questions in. Uh, Bellerman hits a big game winner last night. Ben Johnson from three. Big shot, Ben. Fade away at the buzzer to knock off Central Arkansas, 68-65 to here in Bellarmine. 
It was a huge shot. Um, I was actually surprised that when he faded a little bit more towards the right, I, I was nervous that it wasn't going to go in. I thought he had a, um, on the first fake, he kind of could have fired after that and then faded a little bit and hesitated for a half a second longer than he needed to maybe. But good shot, big shot, seals the win, tie game. Love that. That's like every Hooper's dream right there, um, especially when you uh, get to that level. Like, you know, it's not something you're trying to make happen, but if you get that opportunity, I really can't imagine how that feels. Walk off. Um, I'm going to have a little bit of a different approach today than you're maybe used to with Mike Rutherford and then yesterday with Roush. They kind of set aside a time frame to look at texters text messages at 502-414-1450 i'm gonna kind of take the approach of you know reading these messages as i go um you know i'm i'm producing the show as well so i'm i'm behind the scenes as well making everything happen and i get to see these texts coming in in live time so if i see something that especially if i'm talking about it i'm gonna bring it up right then i know that there's a lot more text messages coming in for mike so it's it's different for him he can't really doesn't really have that luxury of just immediately going to a texter's point about what he's talking about when there's so many before the show giving him topics to topic, talk about. But the texter here says, I stayed up till one fifteen to watch the Washington State-Arizona game. Washington State is now first place in the Pac-12, which is crazy to say. That is crazy to say. Washington State, number 21 seed, upsets number four Arizona. Jalen Willis hits a three plus the foul. They're down, So they're down three. It's, what is it, 71 to 74, I want to say. 71-74, they're down three. Jalen Willis hits a three for the foul, catches it in the corner, and one. Hits the free throw, 25 seconds left, and they go on to win 77-74. So I guess the uh, Arizona gets the ball after that. I just watched the highlights. Arizona gets the ball after that. They don't make a shot, and they have to foul. And, uh, yeah, Washington State, number one in the Pac-12. That is, that is crazy. I, I, I thought Arizona was going to have a better year than they've had this year so far. Um I do think that they still have the roster and, and ability to kind of make some noise in the tournament if they get the right matchups. But we'll see. We'll just have to see. That was a crazy game, crazy cool game to see uh, the highlights too. And if you watched it live, then you were in for a treat at the end there. Um, Purdue easily beats Rutgers at home, 96-68. Edie has 25-7, and seven, shooting 7-for-8 seven from the field, and he goes 11-for-11 11 11 from the free throw line, so the big man getting it done. However, Purdue's, they're definitely better than they were last year, but they still don't really shock me or, or scare me in the tournament as a team that's 24-3 and three right now. Like, I, I, I really don't see, um, like, them, them hoisting the trophy at the, at the end. But I could be wrong. You know, you never know what happens in March. They could get the good end of the draw, have a, have a good couple first games, and then you never know. But I just, they just don't really, you know, I don't know. Purdue just doesn't, they don't shock me. I do feel like they, they, they have the pieces to get something done. But at the same time, the way they play, I don't know. I just in a half court set with the right matchups. I just think if you played harder than them, you could, you could beat them. But that's just my opinion on Purdue. Um, the women's games were really a little bit more interesting, in my opinion, last night. I do want to say that. Number 20 Louisville women's team, they get an 18-point victory, 80-62 to over Georgia Tech. Sydney Taylor, huge game, season high, 31 points. She has 23 in the first half. 
she did this coming off the bench, but she also was tied for most minutes with 34 minutes. So it's just kind of some tactical things going on there. Still playing starter level minutes, but cool to see. Big game for her. Their next game, they play again Sunday the 25th, um, and that's against Virginia at home. So look, look, look to see them get a win there as well. IU women last night. How about them? Number 14 IU upsets number four Iowa Hawkeyes and Caitlin Clark, you know, one of the one of the best players in college basketball, women's college basketball, probably probably the best player in college, women's college basketball, I'd say. Definitely the most exciting to watch. Um, best shooter. Um, they gave her a hard night. She only had 24 points. She shot eight for 26 from the field. So three of 16 for three, you know, they were, they were, they were defending her the correct way. Um, but you know, someone of that volume still going to be able to get up to that 20 mark, even if she's, you know, being defended well. Uh, Sarah Scalia has had a big night, 25 points. Mackenzie Holmes added a big night as well, 24 points, and they win. They win 86 to 69. They upset the number four team in the country. So Iowa's women, big night for them. I'm getting to a lot of topics here already that I, that I didn't plan to get to as fast as I as I did. But uh, yeah, a lot of big games last night. I do want to go into U of L and this men's team that we uh, I've haven't been around very long, but in the short time I've been here, there's already been a lot of talk about where we're at and why and what comes next. I do want to ask you all what you think. 502-414-1450. What's your opinions on this Louisville season has been and how, how you sum this season up and what do you think should happen moving forward? I uh, I think we hear a lot of other people's opinions. I think that a lot of people think Kenny Payne should be gone. I am one of those people. A lot of people think more than more than some people realize that Kenny Payne deserves another year and that this late semi every other game every third game success he's seeming to have or almost have is you know showing that he's improving or, or that the team's getting better and I will say the team has made improvements but the team's still not good enough in my opinion to really you know you know give him a give him a true reason to come back I say but I do want to see what you all have to say about that um there's some interesting facts that I think a lot of people don't think about from what I know from if I'm, if I'm not mistaken only Curtis Williams Tyler Johnson Trey White and that uh the big dude Jovanovich signed during Kenny Payne so when you look at if if he does leave how many players like one 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 thing I wonder is how many of these guys really come back. I don't know about you guys, but I do like when players return, players that have showed an upside and potential. I like when they come back. I want them to come back. Um, not, not you know, there's obviously guys that we, we aren't going to miss. You know, they're not making the contribution that's going to say, oh, we missed them next year. Um, I don't really think that's happening this year. Uh, maybe there's some moments where you say LLS would help right now, but that's more so if he was added to this team, not necessarily replacing anyone. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see a lot of these guys come back. I definitely would like to see Tyler come back. I think Trey White should come back. Um, Curtis Williams, I mean, you know, he'd be a good piece to have. Not necessarily an important one, but you never know. He could he could improve under another coach. Um, Texter here says, since we have absolutely no clue who will be hired for L men's basketball, here's 
two stupid questions. Who would be the absolute worst NBA coach to hire? Who would be the best NFL coach to be hired? Those are two interesting questions there. For the men's UFL basketball job, the worst NBA coach to hire. Ah, that, that, that's tough there. I would have to say it'd have to be someone um, in that in that older, one of the older guys who, who hasn't done it in so long or maybe never. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, Popovich comes to mind. I don't think Greg Popovich wants to wants to put up with um college guys right now. I don't think he has the uh you know, he 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 likes dealing with uh more mature people for sure. Um I think he doesn't even like immature adults, so he'd have a hard time with a UFL team right now. That that would be a tough one, but that's not the like that's not a bad NBA coach at all. That's a great NBA coach, but he would be, you know, he'd have a hard time. He'd get frustrated with this U of L team. Um, who would be the best NFL coach to be hired? That's tough too. I would really, I don't know any coaches off the top of my head that have a good, um, have a strong basketball background. First person that came to mind for some reason was Sean Payton. I want to say, I think he'd have, you know, he'd be able to whip, whip some basketball players into shape maybe. And then also maybe do some interesting things, do something different. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's good questions. Interesting ones. Um, Texas said, oh, I had PJ for three plus. Oh yeah. I said two plus very likely that PJ Washington hits two plus threes as well. was able to hit a parlay last night. PJ wasn't on it. I had Tyus Jones instead, but I wasn't confident in that. So I didn't want to say that one on air. Um, yeah. If you guys have anything you want me to cover, let me know. 502-414-1450. I'm going to get into this Kenny Payne saga a little bit more now. And uh, and just my opinions over these last two years and, and what he's brought to the table, right? And when I really begin to think about what he has brought to the table, it's not a lot. It's really, really not a lot. I think that he, there's been so much more, so many more times where you're like, you're wondering at the end of a game, how did he get to this point? Like in this game, just that one game specifically, how did he let it get to that, that bad or how did it start off that well or start off that even and then end it as if it wasn't a competition, right? And you, I mean, I'm not going to say anybody looks forward to a Kenny Payne press conference, but you turn your eyes to the Kenny Payne press conference and then you you get even more shocked sometimes. He says things that just, you know, they they don't really take any accountability to his game planning, um, his tactical decisions, why he's, you know, you know, he does. He says we did this to try to make this happen and doesn't acknowledge that that didn't work as an answer to a question. So it's weird. You know, he he <laughs> interesting person in these press conferences. He's he's offered a lot of that, a lot of um, confusion, a lot of what seems like he doesn't have a great understanding of how to make his team work for him. I want to say not like effort wise, but like really execute what he's asking them to now. I, I I sometimes like disagree with that myself. I, I sometimes feel like that's almost like hypocritical when you look at like certain spurts of games, right? Um, and you can look at the last game in the first half. You know, my like we we talked about it. Mike talked about it. Huntley Hatfield has to have a big game. He has to take control of the paint, be the bigger presence, all that. Um, he did that. 
Hatfield came out and did that. Tyler and Sky, they both played. We talked about how that was important for both of them to play and be a part of the offense. The first half, it looked like that was so. Sky didn't miss a shot until his, what, eighth shot? He was four for four from three in the first half as well. It might have gone on to be four for four. I don't know if he shot another one. Um, second half was so disappointing. So, so, so disappointing. And I've I've been saying all season long that he has an issue with not making adjustments. He doesn't, like, he watches on the sideline his team get into these little spurts of it's not working anymore. What they were, what was just working 10 minutes ago isn't working now. And they don't change it. They don't fix it. They, the, the shot selection changes, you know, it's like our, the team's IQ gets lowered when we get into these panic modes, um, which isn't, that's not what's happening. They're just, you know, they know something has to change. And it seems like in my interpretation, they're not being told what to change and they're trying to have to go figure it out on their own. And obviously, you know, it's college basketball, it's division one college basketball. They're not, you know, you need the, you need a coach. You need a coach who can coach you. Um, and I don't deny that he's a great coach at practice, you know, that there's been reports of that all year. I don't deny that he's a good good coach to these players as players, right? He makes them better, you know, individual players in some aspects, most of the guys. But then uh, when he – it's it's kind of like what you were – what you should have been scared of, in my opinion before he came in is that he's this guy who's been great at being an assistant coach. He's been great at being on the sidelines. He's been great at pulling guys over one-on-one, you know, and doing, you know, doing what he has to do to help them out. And then he's been doing that only for so long. And he immediately got, got put in this position to do the main job at a high level where you have to do it at a team level. You have to be the guy (laughs) talking to the guys in timeouts. You're not the person pulling people aside at halftime and at the end of, uh, you know, end of games and the beginning of games and doing your one-on-ones and, you know, the guys you helped get recruited and this and that, like, I get that. And that's what he excelled at. That's why people thought he would, would potentially be good at the jobs because he's such he's a good person with these players, such a good coach to these players individually as an assistant coach. And then, you know, you look at a game where the teams look even a team that is not, a, a, you know, we've pointed it out statistically a couple of days ago. Notre Dame, statistically, offensively, is worse than Louisville was last year. And in the first half, they look like two even teams, right? And I'm not going to – there's nothing to say more about that. Like, okay, why is it an even game with a team that you're battling with last place in the ACC with? And then in the second half, it's like you we, there's no competition anymore because he's not saying, okay, we have to try this now. We have to try this now. Occasionally is. You might run a zone occasionally change up you know um but like there's certain it's like he he just completely changes the rotation once something goes wrong puts in someone who doesn't fit in with the other guys usually um you know there's there's not enough spacing in my opinion out there which a lot of people argue that that's like that's debatable but i I think you know we just don't have enough correction and mistakes we have a lot of unforced mistakes unforced errors turnovers without heavy defense little little things um that you know he's gonna have to learn as a head coach how to how to rein those in how to fix those things those aren't necessarily on him he's not the one out there throwing the ball into a to a teammate who's being um denied you know what i mean like and it just taps an easy fast break like that's not his fault that's 
I mean, it's him to fix. It's on him to fix, but it's not his fault. He's not the one out there doing that, the basic stuff like that. But when these teams go on runs and the defense doesn't change and the offense goes in the same, you know, you're, you you don't you go to the same first option. You're you having guys take in the shot clock shots, fadeaways. Um, it's not good when you are at the same point, at the same team, different point in the game, getting good shots, getting layups. Only Hatfield's getting AM ones. You know, it just it just it goes away. And he doesn't get it back, and then you lose. You lose big. Um, that's tough to deal with. It's tough to watch a second year of because, you know, last year. The, the beginning of the year was like a fluke. It's like, oh, we're good, but we're just losing these close games. And then it's like, okay, no, we're not good. We lost a bunch of close games, yes, but maybe that that deflate, deflated us. Maybe it's hard to start your season. It's too hard to start your season off like that. Losing, what, was it like three or four hook games in a row by one point, two points? It's tough. And then you go on and be very bad after that. And this year, you just it just it doesn't get any better in my opinion. It does. The team gets a little better though. Is what is what it really is. I think the roster gets a little bit better than last year. Obviously, he figures a little couple things out. It's his first year head coach, which is really you know not doesn't count, right? It's not as this is year one. So, um, but that's just what's pitiful to me is that this is his second year and he hasn't he hasn't um, the same exact issues. Even in the games last year, it was the same thing. Uh, a couple games last year, leading at halftime, losing the game by 15, 17. Weird stuff. Kenny Payne, got to go. He's got to go. We need Louisville is an organization that's it's known for success. It's known for being, you know, one of those guaranteed top teams that's going to, you know, compete for a high level, a high spot. Usually a guaranteed uh, tournament team for a long span. Now that's been gone. I think it's been it's been worse. I think a lot of people don't talk about <clears throat> what's going to come from these two years. Like what's what's next? Even with a, say we get the best coach possible, like whoever that is, it's still going to be tough. Like it's not going to be easy. Teams, coach, players are going to be, uh, you know, it's a, it's a it's a Louisville team that was just that bad for for years. Granted, there's been a lot of changes in rules and in, in the NCAA and NIL, so. I hope recruits still make their way to Louisville, still view Louisville as one of those big schools. Hopefully we can still get a you know, potential Adidas athletes and things like that, have that kind of sway. Um, Texter says, what's an unacceptable floor for how U of L performs next season with a new coach? <clears throat> Number of wins, where we finish in the ACC, or any other metric? What's an unacceptable floor for how U of L performs next season with a new coach? That's... That's tough. Um, I mean, I think you most certainly cannot finish last in the ACC. That's 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 a huge, huge no no. I think some people like expect the new coach Louisville. If we get the transfers, like I don't even like adding like new coach at Louisville, they should be able to get the team to the tournament. I don't necessarily feel that way. I think the coach's play style and who the players he has is is a huge factor. That has to be two things that coincide well with each other um and then you know the 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 fan base fan base has to back the guy they can't you know not to say that we haven't backed kenny at all i think we were all excited we were all hopeful for kenny even in first five six games when the record wasn't good even like they they were competitive for to an extent um the games we were losing closely and and you know it took a while for us to not back Kenny. kenny still has supporters now i think 
you have to you have to you have to make a big change you have to make a big change you have to I don't want to say the new coach has to win the tournament, right? If the next coach doesn't win or make the tournament, they they're still gonna keep the job. They're still gonna they're still gonna, you know, have another chance if they made significant strides to put Louisville back in that echelon of teams. That's that's you know, oh, that's a good Louisville team. People, that's always been the case. Louisville, that's a good Louisville team. That's not you know, it's been the case every year up until last three or four years. So it's it's it's. The next coach has to show that he make big strides, big improvements. He has to show that he can bring a couple guys in too. An acceptable floor, in my opinion, winning a game in the ACC tournament, you know, fighting for the tournament. You have to fight for the NCAA tournament. If you're not, if there's no chance, if there's no chance early on, you know, those are, those are, that's no nos. If you're last in the ACC, then you're probably, then there's no chance, right? There's, there was, then you know early there's no chance if you're last in the ACC at the NCAA tournament. So at that point, that's where it's like, I guess you still have to give a person a second year. I, I always feel like, but at the same time, if it's got that bad, if a person came in and won 10 games next year as a new coach, that's a little bit unacceptable. We're going to go to break here. If you have anything you want to know, anything about, me anything about UofL you want my opinion on 502-414-1450 send some text in let me know I'll get them out there and uh yeah let's get to it My baby is drama, mama. Don't like me. She's doing things like having the boys come from her neighborhood to the studio trying to fight me. She need to get a piece of the American pie and take her bite out. That's my house. I disconnect the cable and turn the lights out. And we're back. We're back. We're back. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, Big X Radio. I'm here with Haven Harrington, co-host to Rashawn Myers and Wake Up 502 on Saturday mornings from 9 to 11. Haven, can you hear me? You there? I'm here. What's going on? I'm glad you're here. It's good man, to see you. Man, it feels good to be in the, in the big seat for once. Oh, yeah. You're in the real seat, the big seat. I know, right? How's, uh, it, how's it feel? Man, it's all nice and cushy and, and comfortable. Man, Rutherford got it made here. Good Lord. I think so. Yeah, he does. But look at us. We're on the Mike Rutherford show. I know, right? About to about to drop some big heavy love fest for, for Kenny Payne. For one senior Kenny Payne. Yes. Yes. You know, on on the on the way in, I was listening to you. Really? Talk how, about how'd I sound? The, oh, awesome, man. Awesome. But just talking about the greatness that is Kenny Payne. And and how you thought Kenny Payne does not deserve a third. I don't think so. You do not think he deserves to to take this team he put together that's playing so hard, that's playing so well together. You don't think that he deserves maybe to add 
one to two pieces from the portal and maybe make that run next year? <sighs> I, I mean, now, I don't know if you listened to the show at all earlier in the week. I, I think we had an opinion that I or I heard that I agreed with that we were saying if he somehow won out the rest of the year and, you know, did so in a crazy way and then. Well, I mean, it, it started if he had, if he beat Notre Dame, you know, if he had beat Notre Dame and then won out the rest of the year, there's maybe an eyebrow raise. There's maybe a, okay, now can you bring somebody in and do better? Like maybe, um, what, like you're still questioning the late success when it doesn't matter, when teams are playing you and they know, you know, are playing when it doesn't matter. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of reasons why he just still hasn't shown that he earned it. Do you think he's earned that? No. I mean, honestly, okay, so to be completely honest with you, right, this whole, like, Kenny Payne discussion, like, this whole Kenny Payne saga, to me has just, like, hurt my soul, right? As a lifelong Cardinal fan, as somebody who's, you know, lived through the 80s to probably when Louisville was the team of the decade and then had that resurgence underneath Rick. You know, to see the team fall to such levels to where we're, as a fan base, it's now the point that, you know, we're maybe looking at Kenny Payne could possibly get 10 wins this season. And for somehow that's an improvement, and some folks can use that as, as a possible argument to get to year three, it's just ridiculous. It's just crazy. Like, you look at the talent on this team, there's enough talent on this team right now that this should be an easy tournament team right now with the talent on the roster right now. Even with all the injuries, this should have been a tournament team, no problem. Yes, the roster is a tournament team. Yes. Yes. Now, this, isn't that that's every, that's every more reason to say, like, you did that bad with a tournament-level roster, right? I'm, okay, honestly, Kenny probably should have gotten year two. I mean, I can see why you want to give him year two. Maybe that whole first year thing it wasn't his players. It was none of his guys. I, I get that. There was a lot of turmoil on, on with the team when Chris Mack quit and blase, 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 blase. But to me, to win four games was a, a fireball offense. Yeah, that deserved. <laughs> that, that's just me. I, I was in minority after that first year. I know a lot of guys like, no. It wasn't his team. He's cleaning up a mess. Let him get his guys in here and watch him shake and bake. I'm like, this team didn't play defense last year, and lo and behold, they're still not playing defense now. Yeah, that's and, – and they haven't really, you know – that in my opinion, though, to the people saying that he's they, – that they've played better, it's nowhere near as good as not. Well, here's the thing. like They have gotten – better offensively yeah but it's it's, but it's if you really look at it though it's hard to tell how much better they've gotten offensively because like the past couple of games we won is because we've had guys just go completely off just go out of their minds and literally set Louisville records in scoring in order for us to pull these games out but even in the games we were winning you know we're still giving up almost 80 points a game I mean you can't win consistently 
giving up that many points a game. It's just impossible because one day his shots aren't going to fall. You know, things aren't going to go away offensively, and he got to find a way to stop people, and we can't stop anybody. And he saw that against Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, statistically speaking, I, I think you said so yourself, was about the, it's about average. You know, those guys were averaging, what, 29% from, from the three-point range until they played us and then hit over 40. Uh, it's just crazy. The best shooters on teams come in and, and and light us up and do better than they've done all season. Yes, I mean teams play us and they and when they play us, they are usually like in a top five offensive efficiency when they play us because our our defense is is horrible and it's not like our initial defense is good. So when the guys dribble down the court and we engage them defensively, we do a good job. But any disciplined team at all can break down his defense no problem because all you gotta do is pass the ball around, then reverse it, and then for some reason we're late on the switch or we don't switch altogether. We don't recognize when we should uh, cover a man and not, and then guys usually get wide-open layups or wide-open shots. Yeah. And any college, no, any any halfway decent college player can knock down a wide-open shot, and we give up a ton of wide-open shots. Yeah. Don't rotate. There's not enough rotation on defense. When they do rotate, they rotate too slow. And, uh, you know, leads to open threes or, or getting blown by. Then, you know, I think some of these guys foul a little too much, too. Like, they're not at the right times. There's just just too many mistakes on defense. So, it's like the question is, is there – now, you guys said early in the week, well, yeah, you know, if he maybe runs the table, maybe runs the table, may be able to talk about a third year. Like, what's something that Kenny can do right now that you would be okay with giving him a third year? That brings an interesting point because I have a texter who says, I could see bringing Kenny back if he excelled at something. Recruiting, no one signed for 2024. X's and O's, haven't seen it. Player development, not really. Strong defensively, no. Strong offensively, no. Off-court public relations, no. That should be definitely not. <laughs> Portal, who will want to come after two 20-loss seasons? Great points here. This is This is... I mean, strong offensively, no, not at all, not strong. Better, it's the one, the one improvement. It's the one thing he has improved on, but that's not that's not all the other things. It's the least important on there. We're going to call for a college basketball team, really. I mean, if, if we're honest, uh, Bradley Hunting Hatfield has gotten a lot better this year, okay. a lot better. Matter of fact, he, you know, he may have played himself into the first round of the draft. He's played so well. So that's, that is one guy that has developed – Underneath Kenny Payne, because until then, he was just kind of like a waste of space. <coughs> yeah, he was. He was not not doing what his size suggested it should. Not, you know, being aggressive, not being assertive. And now, you know, one of the most assertive players on the team. One of the, uh, I don't want to say reliable, but at this point in the season, like, seems consistent players, too. Um. And and you see these moments where he can clearly be dominant, like he not dominant, but he can he can find his shots that oh, he no, wants. He is dominant. There's times that he's well, yeah, yeah, yeah. If he, there's a big man and they're not double teaming him, and that big man's not as big as him. He's gonna he's gonna find the shot he wants. Pretty much every time you've ever seen it, right? Now he doesn't have a lot of moves. Huntley Hatfield does need to get in the gym with some big man. He's a train with somebody because when he's forced to his left hand, you know, you it's the same hook. The right hand, he's got a couple different couple moves, but it's over the shoulder every time. But it works. He gets it done. 
He has good timing. He has a soft touch. Knows how to, you know, use his shoulder well. But that's not enough. That's one of those things if we were playing well, not well, if we had gotten a significantly improved team from last year and, you know, we were we were at 10, 11, 12 wins right now and there was no chance of him getting fired, then you'd be super excited about that because you'd pretty much know that Hump, Hatfield pretty much have no reason to leave and he'd be coming back. So, so for me, like, here's the thing. For Kennedy to get his third year, then that's the question, like, like to our listeners, what would Kenny have to do to get that third year? Uh, I don't know. I don't, you're to right. our texters, to our callers, five zero two four one fifty is the Thornton's text line. What would Kenny Send have us some to text do here to get that third year? Now, here's a thought: Would you give Kenny that third year if he made significant changes on the bench with his coaching staff? I mean, at this point, yeah, no, no, no. No. Let's say now if he brought in maybe two big transfers. No, no, how about this? How about this? Let's say Kenny we know Kenny has a problem with defense. For the past two years, it's been one of the worst defensive teams, usually ranked in the bottom third of college basketball for the past two years. What about if he brought in a great defensive minded coach like Tubby Smith? As an assistant coach? As an assistant coach. I'd say like I like I just kind of said before, if we were at that eleven 10, 11, 12 win range right now with a few more win play games to go. Me And, you know, if we had won 10, 11, 12, meaning we could maybe feel like we could win a couple of these and a couple we knew a couple recruits were coming in next year that were good, like our least high-level potential to be good recruits, then, yeah, I'd say so. But not enough improvement. No, No one guaranteed good coming in next year. I just no, it's not. It wouldn't be enough. Like that wouldn't be enough if he just brought only Tubby in right now. Which Tubby, he wouldn't do that, I don't think. But hypothetically, no, it wouldn't be. If he had a top, you know, twenty recruit or two top fifties, or something like that. Which he's done. <laughs> not at U of L. He's done it though. He's gotten better than that as an assistant coach. If he was somehow able to do that with the year he's having at hypothetically 10 or 11, 12 wins. Yes. But no, no, not, not, not without having shown he can improve as a coach. What about if he gets Tubby Smith and Carter Knox? (sighs) Or any top flight defensive, defensive minded coach that had name recognition that you knew was a great defensive coach. that can shore up that side of the ball. And Carter Knox. I mean, I what, still what would think, you say? I still think his coaching ability points to like fifteen wins, fourteen wins. If those two crazy, amazing potential things unlikely to happen happened, you know, he still doesn't have the ability to 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 truly. I don't think X's and O's wise do what he would have to do. Does he? So basically, I'm hearing you say there's nothing KP can do. No, I think I'm that far out. I think I'm that far oh, out. Wow, really? Raven. I really do. I really do think so. He just hasn't, you know, Louisville's upper echelon, like you said. We're are we really upper echelon? Not now. Well, see, and that's the <coughs> excuse me, and uh, that's the question I posed on Wake Up Five Hundred Two last weekend. Right? Was are we really that upper echelon program that we think we are? Like, are we really? 
that blue blood basketball program that we think Louisville is? Because my question was, if we were a true blue blood program, would Kenny have made it past his first year? Like, if can you imagine if he was coaching at Kansas and won four games, would he still be there? I think it's different when you when he's an alumni and won a championship. Okay, let's say uh, uh, Kansas alumni decide to come back and coach. Does he make it past that fourth year? No, at Kentucky. No, not no, no, not at all. You're right. No, at those schools it would have been unacceptable. Yeah. But at the same time, we were in a rebuilding mindset too. So they kind of like there wasn't the crazy crazy high expectation for year one, Kennedy Kenny, especially after he didn't. You know, no. I'm honestly, in year one, I was thinking that we would win like 15 games. That's where I was at. I was like, I know. was like, year one with the roster he had, uh, with him not having any coaching experience at all. I was thinking, okay, we'll win anywhere between 12 to 15 games his first year. I expect him to do very, very well on recruiting trail because, like, that's what we were sold. Yeah. Everybody who told us, man, we've got to get Kenny Payne. got to get Kenny Payne. The best gotta recruiting get coach we could get. There's like, he's the best recruiter out there. He's going to have all these guys. He has a guy on this uh, basketball operations dude whose parents own Rock Nation. So, yeah, we're going to get all these top-tier recruits. When Kenny was in Kentucky, he was within. He was with all these top-tier recruits. He's a big man whisperer. The look what he did for Willie Cauley-Stein and all these other guys. You know, blah, 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 blah. But he can definitely recruit. He's, he's going to bring in a talent. Like, just you wait and see. So I was thinking, you know what? With the roster we have, he's a big man whisperer. He's, he has worked a lot with the big men. So I was like, you know, Sidney Curry had, had a pretty good year. I expected better things from Sidney Curry. I was like, you know what? Sidney Curry's a beast in the paint. You know, if you get him, like, some, some top-notch coaching, man, you know, how much better could this guy be? Yeah, I... And coming to find out, well, apparently not much better because the team last year literally just quit. Uh, you know, they were just out there, I think, going through the motions. I mean, that's why you have so many 30-point losses. Uh, every, you know, 20-plus 30-point loss last year because the guys were kind of going through the motions. I think they kind of checked out. Yeah. Yeah. Texter says the only reason he come, they comes back is if they went out. That's it. Uh, yeah, I think they – I mean, I don't know. There could be a decision already that – Regardless, I don't, maybe there's, you know, the people making the decisions already already say that there's nothing he can do. I think if he won every game from right now, no. If he won the Notre Dame game and then every game from that point. No, I would still say no because, okay, so like, let's. I think they'd raise an eyebrow, though. I think well, it, you may raise an eyebrow, but then you have to close it because, like, like, like here's the thing, right? Like, you, you have to look at Louisville being a top-tier program. And if you really think and if you believe, if you believe, that Louisville is a blue blood program. That we're up there with the Kansases, with the Notre, uh, I almost said Notre Dame's, with the Kansases, with the North Carolinas, the Dukes, and Kentuckys. If you feel that this program is at that level, then you have to act like a program at that level. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't just. You can't. You know, can't yeah. be scared to hurt yeah. Kenny's feelings. You're right about you that because you have to act like a program that's that level. Because you you can't accept anything less. Because if you accept anything less, you're going to wind up like IU and also ran. Yeah. It would be a slow, steady burn, right? Yeah. And you'd be an also ran. You'd be like, your people forget about you. Like, people forgot about IU's greatness. Now you being this 
you know, blue blood college basketball program. Because now they're, they're just a mid Big Ten team. That's it. Yeah. They're a mid Big Ten team. All the pomp and circumstance, all the, you know, preferential treatment and coverage, all that stuff you get for being a top. No, it's, it's no longer there. No. They're just an average Big Ten team. They're like the Nittany Lions, Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, they're just your average team. Low expectation too now. Yeah. And no, and and if you don't want to see that for U of L, then you have to have you have to hold this program to you know, a certain standard, right? You have to hold this program to, you know, a certain level of winning, a certain level of success, like a baseline success. Like for this, like for U of L, for this program, the tournament should be like the baseline. Like this is it, especially in the days of transfer portals and NIL. There's no excuse why you can't get the talent here because we have more than enough money, I believe in the NIL to go in the transfer portal and get who you want to get. Yeah. Because we're that program. And I, I know a lot of folks have said in commentary, Sean, that, well, we don't have as money as much money as Ohio State, which is true. We don't. We don't have as much money as Ohio State. But let's be honest. Ohio State's not worried about basketball. Not anymore. Not like they used to, not like football, not like they used to be, really. Yeah. They're not worried about basketball. Like, do they want to be good in basketball? Yes. Are they concerned with winning national championships every year in basketball? No. They're not. Cook. They're gonna put almost they're gonna put eighty percent of their revenues and efforts into beating Michigan and, and winning national championships in football because that's what matters to them. It's football. Yeah. Football is driving Ohio State's bus. In Louisville, basketball drives the bus. Basketball is our premier program. That's our premier sport. We are a basketball first school. So when we come so when it comes time for us to put money where our mouth is, we're going to put it behind basketball program first, and they're going to get the most. It's, that, it's just that we haven't had the opportunity to, to, to do that, to flex that muscle yet. And we need a coach that's going to come in here that's going to let us flex that muscle. But like I said, as as a blue blood program, as a top 10 basketball program, we have to start acting like a top 10 basketball program. Very true. And, Tech, and you have to do those things to, to, to win. I think, yeah, you have to you have to – prioritize getting back to that point at all costs. I think you have to do whatever it takes to get there. You have to be willing to fire a coach. You have to be willing to spend the money. Because um, like, here's the thing. Like, at, at the end of the day, we like to talk about the greatnesses, all these you know, college players coming in and they're doing it for the love of the school that's on the front of their jersey and all that, all that good stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Yaki schmackety, blah, blah, blah. But let's be honest. At the end of the day, this is a business. This is a multi- billion dollar business in college sports make no mistake about it all this college expansion and everything else was all about money right it's all about how much money these universities these conferences can get for themselves and that's it tv deals the whole nine it's been about money the only difference is now there's kind of forced but not really forced to share some of that with the players Instead instead of having your players work for free and being quote unquote amateurs, now you got to figure out a way to share some of this with the players. It's the only difference, right? Yep. And with this being a business, sometimes you have to make cold hearted business decisions. And I, you know what? I love Kenny Payne. I've met him several times, interviewed with him, partied with him, hung out with Kenny. As a person, I love Kenny Payne as a person. 
and I love everything he's done for university when he was here winning national championships with Denny Crum. He's a great representative of this university. But the man can't coach. He can't coach. I mean, let's just be honest. He's, he's, he's not a very good coach. And it's okay in saying that. It's okay with saying, like, you know what? We gave him a shot. He won four games. He had literally the worst season in the history of Power Six basketball. In the history of Power Six basketball. It's okay to be like, you know, maybe this ain't your thing. Maybe being an assistant coach is what you do. Maybe being a, an executive is more suited for you. Maybe coaching is, is not you. Maybe teaching is like teaching is not for everyone. Coaching is not for everyone. It may not. It may. It's just, it's just not you, man. And it's okay to to cut bait. Like I said, I would have cut bait last year after only winning four games. I've been like, eh, this may not be a good fit. Well, let me ask you, what percentage? Texter asking actually mm-hmm. asking for the texter here. What percentage of the results of this season so far is on the players, and what percentage is on the coaching staff? This season, for sure, I want to say, it, it, it's like. Now I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a hard critic on some of the guys. Um, I'd say seventy percent. I go seventy thirty. I'd I'll, say seventy percent coaching. I would say eighty. I would say eighty twenty to maybe seventy thirty. Because here's the thing: as a coach, it's your job to put your players in positions to do well. It's it's your job to recognize what your players' strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then coach to that right, and to put them in positions of success. That's your job as a coach. It's also your job as a coach, especially at the college level, to teach advanced basketball concepts. Very true. He doesn't. And then, and that's what I was saying. And early then, and then your players second. do the rest. He doesn't do that. No, he doesn't do that. You know, and a prime example is, and to, to compare and contrast, look at what Brom, because now Brom came in with a little bit different. He had, you know, the team was already pretty well coached from, from Satterfield, had him coached up very well. They had a good roster underneath Satterfield, and Satterfield had a great recruiting class coming in. So it's not apples to oranges, but look at what Brom did with this year's football team, right? He came in, and Brom's reputation is being a guy who wants to drop back and throw it a bazillion times a game and play suspect defense. That's been Brom's M.O. since he started coaching basketball. Great offense, throws it a million times, and on the defense. This year comes Uofville realized the strength of his team's the defense. So he goes, so when he first gets here, he starts recruiting mostly defensive players. <clears throat> spends his time stocking the defensive roster. He gets a good transfer quarterback in here, some guy that knows the system, and Jack Plummer, and they go out and they, and they, and they compete. And they compete at a high level. They win 10 games. But Brom had to make an adjustment because Brom realized that Although Jack knows my system, he may not be the best dude out there, right? He he may not be the best. He may not be the best guy that I can I, I can rely on to throw it fifty six times a game. You know what? I got these great running backs. We're running the ball instead. Now we're running team. Completely changed his philosophy and the personality of his team to win. That's what you got to do as a coach. Very true. Very true. We're gonna go to break here. It's Roman. It's Haven. UofL School of Business Studios. We'll see you back when we get back.
we're back. We're back. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Haven here, Roman here, getting over some U uh, of L talk right now. Some uh, Kenny Payne talk. Haven, got a few more things to cover. Got some text messages rolling in, baby. Text messages rolling in right now. Got a few coming in. Texter says, thanks for stepping in and giving us a great show, Roman. Well, you're welcome. I appreciate that, actually. I was very, very nervous before Haven came in. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Starting to ramble a little bit. Most of my bullet points were already said by the first segment. But it's all good. I've laid back. I've took a deep breath. Haven's here. We've got Texter's coming in now. Everything's good now. Texter says, if you had a crystal ball and could predict how the next six weeks go for basketball, what would you predict? Lose March 12th and get rid of KP immediately? Wait until April? And what coach do you see actually getting the job? Not just your pick. Great questions here. This is what I was looking for. This is what I wanted. Haven, the next six weeks is an interesting time for Louisville because, like we were just saying in the last segment, I don't personally really feel like it matters. Um, honestly, yes. I mean, like, I want the players to win. I want these guys to feel some success. They came to they 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 chose Louisville. They believed in their decision. They believed that they would have the good outcome from this. So I don't want them to just not, you know, have any chance of anything. But in terms of KP, yeah, I want him gone as soon as possible. I want to feel, you know, that feeling of what I can what I can focus on next. I want to know what the next thing is for me in the UofL, for my UofL basketball team. I don't want to sit here and wait around knowing Kenny's gone and just having to wait, having to prolong the decision of who's coming in next, having to prolong the feelings of, of of things getting better, right? Um, Word. But if we didn't lose on March 12th and we won a couple games, it doesn't change anything with KP, so I'd just be happy for the players. Um, but my prediction would be, yeah, we probably do lose. Probably lose a game that looks like a close game in the first half, even teams maybe. And then we, you know, just shrink in the second half and lose. And he's fired within the week. That'd be ideal. We could make a decision quicker, get the ball rolling on this uh Next season and, 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 and bringing in a new light, right? What do you think, Kevin? What do you see in the next uh, six weeks? Next six weeks, I see Louisville squeezing out maybe one win. If we're lucky, too. And I, I, even though I thought Notre Dame would be like the one win of the hypothetical possible two. So I would say, you know, possibly another win on the schedule. We'll find one. Uh, March 12th rolls around. March 13th, I think KP gets the axe. And then we're on the clock for, like, who's going to be our coach. Now, I've read several articles, one on ESPN.com, talking about how when KP does get the axe, you know, this would be the most attractive job open. More attractive than Ohio State or anybody else. This will be the most attractive job open. And we should have our, our choice of coaches. Now, who do I think? Okay, so I will say this. I know the – the texter wanted, like, who's you know, honestly most likely to get the job versus, like, who my top pick is. It's kind of hard to say that at the moment because, like, nobody knows what Josh Hurd is thinking, who's he's called, you know, who's, who's these guys have already been back-channeling, uh, you know, who we, what kind of agents they've talked to to kind of see who's interested and who's not. So, you know, I, I know the last time they had talked about that Scott Drew was interested uh, – and possibly taking the job, he may be able to be convinced to go 
and and come here. So I'm like this. If he was interested last time, he doubly has to be interested this time because there's no quote-unquote cloud or anything else. <coughs> I'm going hard for Scott Drew. I, now, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't tell anybody in the media or anything of that nature. That That's my first, second, and third call be, would be to Scott Drew. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, if he says no, next on the list, you're going to go down. Jerome Tang has already said that he is more than willing to leave Kansas State and to go where he can go. And when everybody thought Kenny Payne was going to get fired in December uh, during a Christmas holiday, I mean, Jerome came out of a couple of press conferences and pretty much said, yo, I'm ready to go right now. No, pretty much winking and nodding at it. If, if, if Louisville did it, he'll come. And he's proven he can coach and he can recruit. Um. Uh, you I wouldn't know, mind Tang. I yeah. wouldn't mind Tang. Tang Tang's, and the fact that he, you know, wanting to is a g- g- big sign. That's yeah. like that's like not having, you know, not needing convincing. I'm all for that. I think Tang's a really, really likely candidate. Wouldn't be my. Uh, it wouldn't be my. Uh, I don't know. It's really tough asking who I actually see getting the job. Like, I I I would not be surprised if Mick Cronin somehow got the yeah, job. No. So I will say this, and I don't I, want that to happen. No, I would not I, want that. To happen. I'm not a fan of Matt Cronin at all, and I he has a twenty million dollar buyout. Let him stay at UCLA, right? Yeah. If I'm we a, if we didn't, as long as we don't think that that buyout is <laughs> worth it, which it's not, that would be the biggest mistake. No, I, a I, lot I, of people like him though for whatever reason. Yeah, but well, a lot of people like him because he's on a Rick Patino, he's on a, a Rick Patino tree, and people kind of want that that familiar. Rick Pitino as coach. I get it. He doesn't really play. I mean, I, I get that. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. But at the same time, he hasn't proved that he's really, you know. No, he's, I mean, no, he's just not my cup of tea. So, you know, guys you can definitely get. I I think you get Scott Drew. You could possibly get Chris Beard. Uh, you can definitely get Musselman. Yeah, Musselman and Beard. I, I think, I don't know. Heard's position on anything to do with Chris Beard, obviously, but I think Chris Beard like is a very likely basketball from a basketball standpoint. You're saying like like he has quote unquote baggage and optics because of uh, his arrest to Texas. But here's the thing: if you're about winning, then who cares? Yeah, I mean, who cares? I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people say we can't do that because optics. We've been troubled into NCAA. Look. Let me tell you something for people. <clears throat> After the whole Karen Cypher debacle, we kept Rick. We rehired Bobby Petrino. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, Louisville definitely has seemed to, I don't want to say turn an eye, but. My, and my thing is that people think that you're the bad guy anyway, and we keep getting hit with all these fines. Not so much fines, but we keep getting in trouble with, with the uh, – it's double A. We might as well go all in anyway and be the bad guy. Yeah. They say Jamie Dixon, likely candidate. Likely candidate. But honestly, I think of it. Louis next coach would be somebody like a Chris Beard or a Scott Drew, right? Yeah. Names, wins, titles, uh, can recruit, is an excellent coach. He'd be my pick. You know, they they know you can do it. But that's not that's, and, that's and, you know you can get it done. Yeah. Because honestly, we we can have our pick of who we want. 
like we are like the way Alabama is in football. That's how we are in basketball, right? <laughs> well, no, I'm serious. The way Alabama is in football is the way we, the way what, people view the potential. Yeah, it, it's it's the way we should be in basketball, right? You know, Alabama, LSU, those guys go after everybody's coach and don't care. Because Alabama and LSU, and, and they plan on winning regardless. LSU went and got Notre Dame's coach. Whoever thought that Kelly would leave Notre Dame? Yeah, that's true. They go to LSU, and, but they made it happen. Right? Bama went and got the coach from Washington. It's like, man, we don't care about you guys going to the Big Ten or whatever. We're taking coach. I think it's a – I think it's a – one of those things that is they're gonna take their take their time with it. They're gonna make sure they're getting the right guy. They're not gonna. They don't want another situation. No, see, you know, where, but maybe, but but like, here's the thing, right? These conversations have all. I'm guessing. Surely, these conversations have have already been happening, right? They've already been going on. Discussions have been had. We're just not privy to who they're talking to. Yeah, I think so, so. I think so. I mean, yeah. you can't just if you, especially if you've made the decision to know that you're gonna get rid of KP, you had to have had these conversations yeah. already. Yeah, and it's pretty conceivable that as soon as you fire Kenny Payne within a week, you could have somebody else. I gotta start doing some digging. I gotta start yeah. meeting the right people and figuring and, this yeah, out. Yeah, and, and you could, you know, within a week of firing Kenny, if it's March, then you have somebody else. So as soon as the tournament's over, you grab your coach. And he and he has to trail recruiting. He has that portal. He has that transfer that portal, portal and get some talent and get some talent in here. I mean, his, his first step obviously is to recruit the guys you already have on the roster. Second step, go to portal and fill in what you don't have. I do want a more defensive minded coach, though. I want, I want a coach. That's I just want a winning over. coach. Yeah, winning's the most important, but I like to win from defense. <sighs> Haven, do you want to move on? Let's. You want to get into some NFL talk? You want to move on from U of L for a minute? We can jump back in a little while, no. maybe. I hey, got man, some Texas you know coming in. The Texas are sending all kinds of NFL you, questions in. You're right driving now. the ship, man. I'm, I'm just am, a passenger. I? I am, aren't I? Yes, you are. I'm just a passenger on Game of Life. You want to talk about NFL? We can talk some in NFL. We're talk about Ravens, Raiders. Oh, we got a Mahomes question. Is Mahomes, Mahomes the gold already? Nope. He's not. <laughs> now, is he in discussion? Yes. Patrick Mahomes is not the GOAT, but he's the next closest thing already, almost, honestly, I think. I mean, now, like, I want to say achievement-wise for his age, he's already on path to be either second or first, right? Um, <laughs> what he does on the football field is next to none at the moment. Um, and, yeah, he he's... I mean, as, as it stands right now... He's he on the GOAT is, trail. Yeah, he, he's on a GOAT trail, but right now... Tom Brady is still the greatest quarterback of all time, like by far. By far. Seven Super Bowls. Well, to me, it's not even about the seven Super Bowls, which is amazing, right? An amazing stat to win seven Super Bowls. But that's not even like the biggest stat for me with – it's not about stats with Tom Brady. It's his ability to win with mid-dudes is amazing. Yeah. Brady's always taking his team's – where he wanted them to go. Um, Texter says, was typing this as you moved on to NFL talk, but figured I'd send this anyway. A few under-the-radar guys that I think worth discussing. Lamont Paris, South Carolina. Kyle Smith, Washington State. And Amir Abdur-Rahim, South Florida. For the record, I don't think we'd actually get any of those guys. We're going to get someone with a splashier name. 
But those guys have been winners everywhere they have been. I agree. I would agree, especially with uh, Amir down in South Florida. That dude is amazing. He, yeah. he, you're talking about a guy that can coach. Yeah, he's in full control of that team. Yes. You know, you're talking about a guy that can coach. He, He's the man. That would be cool. The man's done cool. it two different schools. He's winning at a high level. His teams are very organized. They're very focused. They play good, fundamentally sound basketball. Uh, yeah, Amir is that man. And it, and if he was going to get somebody that wasn't a splashy name, that would be my dude right there. Yeah. Kyle Smith's done a great job as well up he in has. Washington State. I will say that. And Lamont Paris, South Carolina, they're a good team. He's a good coach. They're winners. Those are three winners right there. And But I do fully agree with you. They're, they're which I don't understand why. I think at this point with what Louisville's been the last five years, does you, you don't need a splashy coach name. No, it's not like you don't need it, but you can't, right? It's like you don't need a splashy coach name, but you can go grab someone else's coach. That's true. That, that's already a that's proven true. winner. That's and, already won. That, and like, that like, splashier so like, name yeah. does recruit. It helps with recruiting. It helps it with does. the portal. So like, here's the thing. Like, if you can grab a Scott Drew, then you grab a Scott Drew. Yeah, because you know you never know who you'll get at that point. He's won a title. He can recruit at Baylor, and Baylor's not exactly a basketball school. Uh, not not even the so least. So imagine thing. what he could do at a school that's gonna you know that's already gets that's gonna give him gets all more the resources every you year. need. Yeah, it's gonna give you every resource you need. I think he's the ideal splashy name and X's and O's guy, and you know, gonna bring the names in guy. I think those are the those are the three, which are splashy shouldn't mean anything with you know whatever but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be somebody like that for sure i think he's the best candidate if we can convince him but i also don't want to have to convince anybody either yeah, you know what sometimes you have to someone so, asked sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do to win that's true someone asked talk john calipari's future at kentucky another texter actually had asked a little bit ago i don't want to skip it um they were wondering the like what does what does Kenny Payne's two seasons at Louisville say about Calipari? Uh nothing because all of Calipari's Calipari's coaching tree is like How much of an embarrassment is it for Calipari given KP's performance as a head coach? None. Because Calipari coaches tree is like the uh that pathetic little Christmas tree in Charlie Brown. <laughs> It's horrible, right? The little leaves are falling off. You can't put anything on it because it's so weak and meek. I mean, Calipari's coaching tree, they have just done nothing. None of his coaches have done anything of any real consequence once they leave the nest. And that's I, – I don't think – I don't think you really expect – like, I don't think you expect a, some tactical genius, some great X and O's guy from a, from a Calipari Um coaching coaching roster either you know i don't i don't think we were expecting kenny to come in and be a patino you know it's well, not no, what, but, see, but like, like here's the thing like not recently because cal see this thing with all the one and duns and this is why i say cal's a great coach because every year it, before the transfer portal came around this dude was literally getting almost a brand new team every single year and every single year he would have to tailor what he wanted to do offensively and defensively around that talent he had which is a, a tremendous coaching job. It's not easy to do. A lot of people think that, you know, it's easy to just take a bunch of 
all Americans every year. And no, it's a bunch of kids who've never played with each other. Who all have egos because they all want to make it to the NBA. They all want to be great. They all got mom watching at home. They all got pops watching at home, family watching, people expecting them to get to the next stage usually. It's not easy. And they've all been the very best at their positions since they were in grade school. You've never seen a coach like you. You've never seen him like have a moment with a player that was like, oh my God, you can't coach that guy. You know? You see moments. You see moments where he's had to be a coach, be stern, but Calipari's a good coach. Um, However, that does lead me to something I've been feeling uh, heavily this season. You know, I was I said at the beginning of the show I wanted to avoid the UK talk as much as I can. But this is coming from a proud U of L fan, an avid UK hater here. But in a respectful way, with all due respect, I'm not trying to say anything negative necessarily. I think that if Calipari stays with Kentucky, it, it, college basketball is changing to a way where you know, and you've seen it the last couple of years. Kentucky's not getting, I mean, this year was an exception, but they don't, they, they had a couple of years span where they weren't getting a whole two handfuls of, you know, guys. Teams are, players are going a little bit more spread out. NIL changes things now. You can go to somewhere and get the money and still make it to the NBA. Get more money, you know, than you would have stayed or stayed closer to home sometimes, right? I think Calipari, if UK is willing, unless UK wants to say some greatest report, crew you know class every year kind of school they're gonna have to get into a team building thing like you just said he's gonna have to have guys stay two or three years he's gonna have to build up a couple guys you know it's not gonna be as simple as just grabbing a bunch of great guys putting them together and going and trying to win a championship you know it's not that easy or that, grab that, that experience in in the portal you know there's, there's many yeah, ways to you know, go around it you, but you, you want you both you want more than you need a variety you want that two or three experienced seniors you want a guy that's that sophomore who can, you know, has been there, knows the system. You want a couple young guys. You want some experience mixed with young guys and a coach who can coach both. Like, you don't want a bunch of young guys. You don't want a bunch of old guys either. Um, and he's going to have to move more to a lower per season expectation and give him time frames. Like, let him develop a. Excuse me. Imagine what Calipari could do with a Reed Shepard and a Dillingham that stayed two or three years. Like that never happened. But even a ne- a, the next season, if he get have two guards who just learned how he operates and coaches and how he wants to play, if they came back, they'd be scary. That like those two specifically, who are already have these flashes of being extremely scary. They'd be they'd be a great great you know backcourt. But th- that's not even a realistic possibility. They're going to the NBA. They're probably both going top twenty, maybe top you know definitely both going first round. I want to say, like. And he's going to have to get to a point of where he's building players up. Players are staying a couple years. There's a defensive mindset about how he wants to play. There's an offensive expectation. Roles are set. You know, there's no there's no confusion, which he doesn't have that anyway. He, he People know, you know, Calipari players know what it is when they get there. It's usually why they go. But I do want to say that I think that it's going to get harder and harder to be a one-and-done mindset team, which isn't on him directly. You know, Kentucky morphed into that and excelled at that and have became that. They're going to have to, you know, look at look at trying to change the expectation of what, what, what it means to come play for Kentucky a little bit if they want to worry about championships, right? Always going to be able to get to the, you know, tournament. Always going to be a tournament team. And are always going to have a ooh, that team should get to the elite eight at least kind of roster, right? And he, he hasn't, you know, they 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 haven't gotten 
You look at some of these other teams, Kansas, UConn, Villanova, other teams that you look at in that same breath with Kentucky and success at the college level, and they've done a lot. They they keep getting to Final Fours. A couple of these teams going to back-to-back trips. You know, Kentucky's not performing at the rate that the rosters they're getting every year have suggested the last few years, and it's going to have something I have to change. A lot of people are thinking Calipari, you know, there's a lot of talk of Calipari might, if he does something that has another season like this and da-da-da-da, if he doesn't do something well in March and has another season like this, he might be out the door or something. And there have been coaches fired for less, right? Um, Like less less negatives around the their their situations. But I don't know. Calipari, he's one of the best recruiting and coaching, like best recruiting coaches in the history he he knows how to get the job done with young players which is not easy to do a lot of coaches couldn't dare do what Calipari does every year he's good at it so I don't know it's tough to view look at his 18 and 8 Kentucky team and say is Calipari should we be done with him you know what I mean I don't think so I think I don't think you're replacing Calipari as easy as some people think but uh what do you think Haven what do you think of the future of Calipari I think he has a couple more years at, at UK, but yeah, he's definitely going to have to start turning up uh, winning uh, a lot. He's he, he's going to have to figure out this what this current era of college basketball looks like. I mean, I'm sure he's already embraced the transfer portal and paying players. That's already been firmly embraced. But now embracing it legally and then going out there and, and competing for, uh, you know, some experience uh, play. Uh, you know, it's like I'm not saying he's struggling, but he's he's having some some problems with it. He's going to figure that out and and make it happen. But he'll be there for maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, I think it would take like something drastically different. Like he'd have to, you know, be in. I think he'd take two years of extremely drastic expectations not being met <clears throat> for them to really consider firing him. Maybe I'm wrong. Probably two years of not making a tournament yeah. would be enough. That'd be enough for sh- easily, easily. It was especially with good rosters. But I will. I do have another question related. I don't like this question, but I'm going to ask it because I I want your honest opinion on it, Haven. No trolling here. Will Louisville beat Kentucky in football or basketball once this decade? It's a tough one to read. Yes and no. In football, definitely, definitely. I want to. I've already definitely. guaranteed the win for next season on Wake definitely Up Five Hundred Two because uh, we play much better. Oddly enough, we play UK much better at Kroger Field than we do in Cardinal Stadium. So, I expect to win next year in football. Upset basketball. They're going to be very upset. They're going to come down there to Lexington. I don't know basketball. Basketball, I don't know because UK owns us. It's in been basketball. longer than four years in basketball too, has it? Or it's been five years. This is the fifth year for both. Yeah, I think Mac won maybe his first or second year, and that was it. That, and, and Rick, yeah, I don't and Rick have any. has only beat Kentucky what twice? Yeah, maybe three times. Kentucky owns us. It's unfortunate. I mean, if if we're if we're being honest, it's not really a rivalry. We've had a couple now. There's that there is a handful of seasons 
in this time frame we're speaking about right now where we had the better roster. Well, not a handful, maybe two or I want to say two or three Tino seasons. We had the better roster and still lost like, you know, Russ, the game Russ Smith dunked on Randall. We lost that game, didn't we? Yep. In Lexington. We did. Black, black jerseys, I think. Uh, and that was the game. I want to say we were up. We had the lead. There was lead changes. I want to say we had the better roster. Um, and we didn't, you know, we didn't beat them. It's been a couple, couple different seasons like that. I'm trying to think of another one on the top of my head, like the a specific game. The 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 Cauley, the year Cauley Stein shoved Harold. You know, on the fast break and got the dunk. It's one of the only plays I remember from that game. I think that was in Lexington. We should have won. And we didn't. No, I don't. I don't remember where that one was. But there has been a couple of years where Louisville and Kentucky's rosters, you know. I don't want to say even, who knows, but the rivalry evened it out, right? They were close enough to where it was that true rivalry atmosphere. The records didn't matter. I mean, like, you always have that rivalry atmosphere, but my question is, are we still a rivalry when you can't beat your rival? I mean, the fans, the the rivalry and the fans are so strong, it'll never go away. Now, that's part of the thing with, like, like the Louisville being that kind of team, like I was saying, Kentucky might have to shift to where where we build these rosters. Um... Uh, that that made me feel like there was more potential, but we're going to go to break. We're going to get back to it when we get back. It's Roman Kelly here, Haven Harrington. Wake up. This is uh, the Mike Rutherford Show. We'll see you when we get back. We're back, we're back, we're back. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here. Roman Kelly, Haven Harrington, here for the second segment of the second hour. Haven, you there? You know it. Got some more things that we're going to get over for you all. We're reporting live from the UofL School of Business Studios. If you have any questions for us, feel free to text us. Again, that 502-414-1450. Any questions at all, let us know. We'll cover them for you all. We've got some questions coming in still, Haven. I do. Uh, we we started that NFL talk, and then uh, we kind of we kind of paused it. I do want to say we will get back to it. Um, we can get back to it right now. Actually, we have another text that just came in that says, "Do the Vikings need to re-sign Kirk? And if they don't, is Jay Jettas gone?" It's an interesting question there. We also got one more here that we'll get to. Will Michigan's old coach, Harborough, be successful coach in the NFL? It's a great question. Let's get to that first one, Haven. Do you think the Vikings are going to re-sign Christian Kirk? Or Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. Christian Kirk. Kirk Cousins. Big Kirk. Um, it's a good question. I think they will. Um, I think they have to. I don't think. 
I, I think they will mainly because you know what you get with, with Kirk Cousins. There's a lot of guys in the draft that they may want to go after, but I'm not sure they'll be able to trade far enough down to get who they want. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on what they feel like they need to do in the draft, obviously. Um, do I think they need an upgrade? Yes. I do think at the end of the day with, with someone like Jettas, you, you do want if the ability to get someone in that upper echelon comes or, or a potential rookie that is projected to be in that echelon, then I do say you look at it, but Jay Jettas loves Kirk. Kirk loves Jettas, was your two best players. I think you <laughs> keep selling your tickets, keep winning games with those two when they play, um, and, and trying to build a team around them. I think you bring them back. And if you don't, I do think Jay Jettas is gone. What about Harborough? I mean, he's been a success. Like, wherever he's coached, he's, he's been a success, right? Whether it was at Stanford. And don't forget, like, before he got to Stanford, Stanford was like an also-ran. Like, they weren't that good at all. And and tournament to win, I mean, he, he was a better coach at Stanford than Bill Walsh was when he was at Stanford. I agree. Uh, when he got to the 49ers, got him to the Super Bowl. Got him to the Super Bowl. He's already proved. When he left and the 49ers, he took Michigan and got, and got them a national championship. Rebuilt so, yeah. that Michigan team. So I totally think that he can come in and be very, very successful with the Chargers. But I'm not sure if it's going to be immediate. Yeah, I think the immediate sec- success does come with Herbert. I think you see an immediate less turnovers, more yards out of Herbert, more completions, hopefully less sacks. That's what he needs. You need to keep an arm like that as safe as possible. One of the future arms of the NFL. And he's got a coach that's going to, I believe, get the best out of him. That's what he does. He gets the best out of his players. And he wins at the same time. So, will the team's success be immediate? Maybe not. Do you got you got a you got a projection uh, projection for them next year? You got a no. So I don't think it'll be like immediate, immediate. But I like think they you, don't win ten games. Oh, easy. You think they do? I think they do. They easily win ten games. That's pretty immediate success following the couple seasons they've had, right? I mean, yeah, but but. There, there's a good core of talent that's already there. So it's not like he has that's to true. rebuild the roster from that's scratch. True. You know, he has a good core of talent. It's just adding on to it and coaching them up. Yeah, fixing fixing the defense up a little bit. Coaching them up, you're right. And he's good at that. I think they'll ha- I think he'll have success. You know, I think he'll be a, a couple years you'll see him guaranteed playoff team every year. With a quarterback like that and a coach like that, it's all you need to to be a winning team, I think. And They'll figure it out. Like I said, no, he's been a winner every, everywhere he's been. So, want to let all my texters know I'm going to get to the NBA questions at the last hour because we're going to lose Haven at five o'clock. He's got to go watch his daughter play a soccer game, right? Tell you us about it. that. Where's she playing at? Uh, she's playing this uh, in a little league out there, Mockingbird Valley. Nothing major. Indoor but, uh, Mockingbird Valley Soccer Complex. Shout out Mockingbird. I'm an ex-employee of Mockingbird. What? Man, you've done everything sports related. Good Lord. I saw you got the you got the Stick Horses uh, t-shirt on today. Yeah. You know about them? Of course I know about them. You want to know something funny about the Stick Horses t-shirt? And it's funny that Mockingbird just got brought up. I grabbed this shirt from the back closet at Mockingbird when I was working there one day. 
I forgot to grab a work shirt. I had to work after school. Got there. I was like, surely there's something in the back. And picked this up. Looked it up. Pretty cool organization. Never played lacrosse. Used to have a lacrosse stick. Had some, like, three guys in my neighborhood when I grew up who all played for their schools. They went to some Catholic schools. Um, and they taught me how to play a little bit. But never got on a field. But, yeah. Got the stick horses shirt on right now. But I, I try to I try to get involved in as many sports things as I can. You know me, that's the pursuit right now. So whatever I can, sports, I love it. I haven't gotten involved in anything football-related yet. But next season, I think we're going to be field side a couple games down there, right? You know what? Now, now, being the young man that you are, you probably don't know that one of my favorite players of all time, who I actually I never got to see play, but still one of my favorite players of all time, Mr. – Jim Brown. Well, you know he got his start <coughs> playing lacrosse. That's how he got to Syracuse. I did not know that. Yes, he was a star lacrosse player. And they were like, why are you playing lacrosse? You should play football. Wasn't he a singer as well? He could do it all. He was Jim Brown. I did not know he started off playing lacrosse. Yep. I wouldn't have thought because he – you know, that's 1940s, 50s? 60s. 60s he was playing lacrosse? Yeah. Wow. For Syracuse while he's playing football. Well, that's how they discovered him. They saw him on the lacrosse field and it was like, you, what are you doing? Get out here. Yeah. No, no, no. You need to be with us. You need to be with us. Brought him out. The rest is history, right? There you go. Jim Brown, Football Hall of Fame. Great player. Played for the Browns. That's it. Played all the season with the Browns. All then, of them? All of them. And then the Browns decided they weren't going to pay him. And they never thought that he would quit for real, and he quit for real. Wow. He won a championship and was like, yeah, I'm done. I can make more money uh, doing movies than I can uh, playing football. And it doesn't hurt as much. So I'm out. I feel that. That makes sense. And they had. He and, deserved the money he didn't get, so. And they literally thought that would never happen. It was like, no, you need football. You'll be back. We can. Wasn't he like a super, cheap. super nice guy, right? Oh, he is a super nice guy. I met him a couple of times. That's a, where at? At the the first time I met him was at the Kentucky NFL Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Wow. That's and cool. he showed up, and he was like, at that time, he was in maybe his early seventies, and still had guns. I mean, his arms were huge. That's crazy. With like his thirty-five-year-old wife and his two-year-old son. <laughs> really? Yeah, serious. That's crazy. I've also heard that about him too. Yeah, dead serious. Speaking of well, NFL, I got a player, one of my favorite NFL players. Not my favorite all time. I don't know who all time would I would have to go with. I think, you know, I'm a young guy, so. Uh, Drew Brees is up there. LT. Probably one of my not the L, not your no 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 not your LT my LT the Damian Tomlinson Damian Tomlinson he's what you know first time I watched an NFL game and I was like oh my gosh who is that I want to watch every time he plays and I tried to from that point on loved him loved that visor he's one of the first he's the first player I ever saw with a visor on okay and I was like that's so cool and then I saw Michael Vick had one as well and I was like oh, okay. I see it. The cool guys wear those. <laughs> but someone I um, wanted to ask you about is Lamar Jackson. A texter asked, 
How does Lamar losing affect his legacy after winning two MVPs? It doesn't. It does not, folks. Come on now. Two MVPs by the age of what? 26? Uh, uh, He's proving his legacy. He finally got his his team in the playoffs, won a playoff game, lost the tough playoff game. He's, He's... if he's healthy, he's getting to the playoffs. You see now, like this is the problem with the whole. Everybody has a everybody has to have a hot take media. You know, of course, you know we are members of the sports media, so I guess we can't. Yeah. You know, talk about our brothers too much, but I don't like. Yeah, I'm not a big fan that everybody has to have a hot take, and your take has to be super hot because if your take isn't hot, you're not getting clicks and views. If you're not getting clicks and views, you're not making money, which unfortunately. In today's media environment, it's true, right? Like, you have yeah. to do, say, or bend, do something. Bend some words, bend some headlines, create yeah. headlines. Sometimes. Create headlines. You got to be controversial. So, you got the YouTube clicks and downloads and views and followers because if you don't, then you're not making money. And a lot of these larger organizations, the media organizations, want to employ you if you don't have like so many followers and all this other stuff, right? So, you get everybody's taking these hot takes. And Shannon Sharp has been one of those guys who's always taking hot takes, talking about what Lamar ain't doing. Like, Lamar's not doing this. Lamar, he's one of his MVP. Well, I don't care. He, he's not winning Super Bowls. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and he's not the only one, right? But everybody wants, wants to take shots at what Lamar's not doing. First, it wasn't he's not throwing the ball. He's not throwing it enough. He ain't throwing it good enough. Now, he's too much. Now, now he's not winning Super Bowls. I mean, I have to remind people. That if you look at one Peyton Manning, who people say was a great quarterback, and oh, Peyton was so awesome, he's such a great quarterback, and you know, you have to remember, right? His first Super Bowl, they beat the Chicago Bears, and they had Rex Ryan as their quarterback. Rex Ryan is, a, is has been a perennial bum, even was in Florida winning championships. He was still a bum, right? <laughs> Rex Ryan was a horrible quarterback. The second time. They beat the Panthers when he played when he played for Denver. But his arm was spent. He had newly armed. He had the MVP on defense. The defense won that game and the running game. He had nothing to do with it. It's like uh, and, it, John, and it came down to a fumble. You know what? And, and, and it's, it's like John Elway's uh, second Super Bowl. That was all true. I was Troy Davis' Super Bowl. He just happened to be there to hand the ball off because John Elway was spent. You look at different ways people can lose in the playoffs or lose the Super Bowl. There's so many different reasons and variables that add up into why somebody wins. Um, now, sometimes those reasons are highlighted and sometimes they're not. You know, sometimes they're behind the scenes. You never really know. All I know is that when Lamar Jackson's healthy, he wins games. Now, <clears throat> there has been debate. I will say, Haven, hey, we do have to acknowledge the very important games he's played, he hasn't had the most success in yet. But consistently getting your team there under different circumstances often, he's never had an elite receiver. Not until this year. Like, this is their first year he's had an elite receiver. And I won't even say that. He had an elite rookie receiver. He had but, an elite receiver for a rookie. Yeah. Right? And granted... He did. He does have a, uh, um, all pro tight end in Mark Andrews, 
He's had Mark Andrews. And I think there's a little bit of both. You know, he kind of made Mark Andrews his favorite target, and that kind of got to showcase how good Mark Andrews really I mean, was. I mean, so the sort of thing is, so but if he you look wins. at Mark's career, right, the first years he was in the NFL. He all was the, rookie all, year. All he had to throw to was literally Mark Andrews because his receivers were straight trash. He couldn't get open, and he dropped everything, whether it's Bateman, Who's who's not a who's not a star wide receiver? He's a good number two, number three, which is what you saw this year. Hollywood Brown would drop at least two passes a game, at least one open deep one. Yeah, every game, you know, Mark Andrews was was super consistent, and then he had nothing but running backs, and that's literally like all he had to work with, and he still took him to the playoffs. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Now he's had a good coach always building around him the correct way, making sure he has running backs. You can't be a running quarterback without running backs because then you don't have play action. You know, you don't. There's a lot of different aspects to an offense that when you have a player who can run himself, having good running backs opens both up. That's why he's been a top rushing team a few different seasons in his career now. But his legacy, he's still young in in the sense of a of a quarterback. You know, he's you super can, young. Now, you can be 33, 34 now, so and be not, elite. The thing is, like, people's like, well, he's not as good as Josh Allen. Well, why not? What has Josh Allen done has been better, you know, right. than, than, than Lamar Jackson? I mean, they both got beat by Patrick Mahomes, who we can say is of this generation's quarterback, he's probably the greatest of this generation. Tom Brady's to the, the moment, of, he's the greatest yeah. of this generation. Yeah. I mean, he's he has the best coach. The cool thing about it is the other potentials are all playing right now. But he's the easily the best of his generation. Yeah, and, and and you start looking around. Okay, so who he lose to? Right, he lost to he lost to Mahomes, best coach, easily the best coach in in the, in the playoffs. Right, no doubt, best coach in the playoffs, best quarterback in the playoffs. They just get it done, and to make matters worse. If you really want to look at it some more, it's that Harbaugh literally gave the game away. He gave yeah. Kansas City the game. He, I don't look. This you loss had, wasn't on Lamar. You had like the number one rushing team in NFL all year long. You had, you know, everything going in your favor. You had you're playing a team that wasn't that good when it comes to stopping the run. So what do you do? You throw it a bazillion times. When that's not your offense. It's not on Lamar. It's not on Lamar. They tried to force it. They tried to force the game. They tried to force a win. But Um, but, but it got too cute. So, like, like on defense, right, you're normally a press man team. But for some reason, you decided we're going to play zone. You know Patrick Mahomes eats zones alive. You know his receivers play better in a zone. Yes. And so you got eight up. And then when you stop playing zone, what happened? You stopped Patrick Mahomes. They, they stopped scoring. scoring. Didn't yeah. score again. They stopped scoring, but you stopped yourself from scoring because you stopped running the ball. Yeah. You literally stopped doing what you do best. Yeah. So that's one of those things there that this year, like it's one of those things that I, I wish I could simulate life up until the playoffs next year and, and give the Ravens the same record, right, and hope that they learned. Like they learned that there's, there's, there's what they are, what their identity is never going to be, you know, unless they go and get – Spend the money on some receivers, which they're not going to do. They There's a level of understanding that you can see 
in the Chiefs and their offense and their defense and their coaches and their their, their the offensive coordinator, their defensive coordinator, everyone on the Chiefs knows what they're about to try to do at all times, it seems like. Right now, you've got your moments this season where that hasn't been the case, right? But in the playoffs, it's like they turned a switch on. There's no mistakes. There's no this. There's no that. Third and third and long, last play to try to win the game. Mahomes has the ball in his hand, and he's probably willing to. He's always willing to run it. They give Mahomes the chance to continue things and win the game. Right? You don't. They don't go. They don't shift their offense and shift and do things. They don't run the ball ten thousand times and not give Mahomes a chance to throw. You know what I mean? They don't do the opposite. They keep everything figured out under any situation. And I just think the Ravens, they needed one more run like that of knowing, of of having reason to realize they have a little bit more to figure out with how they operate, right? Because it's not the players. It's not the skill set of the players. It's not the – there's no, you know, disconnect really from the coaching and the players, right, like you see with some teams. <laughs> there's just a, a – there has to be a, another tier of understanding with play calling and, and, and how they are going to operate and – They'll get it. They'll figure it out. It's not on Lamar, though, this season. <sighs> Texter says, we are, uh, well, this, is a, this is an NBA question here. Are the Timberwolves first-round exits again, or is this year they solidify by themselves? It's a great question there. I think the Timberwolves going to have, I'm going to go deep into that in the in the last hour there. I think the Timberwolves are serious this year. Really? I think, I think there's a quote a lot of people forget about the end of the playoff run last year that the Nuggets had where they said after the finals, meaning the finals opponent counted as well, that the Denver Nuggets or that the Minnesota Timberwolves gave them the hardest time. The Nuggets felt like the T-Wolves were the hardest series they had to play. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers the series or not. I think it was... Five, I want to say, I want to say that I remember that quote vividly, and it's making me feel like it was six games, but I think it was really just five games. But game three, overtime, big game, the whole game felt like Timberwolves were going to win. Um, they don't get the job done. They avoid the sweep, and they end up losing. But the matchups, the intensities of that game, it was better than the next series the Nuggets played. The Nuggets looked like, you know, Timberwolves were the harder matchup for them. Timberwolves have figured even more out defensively this year. I think players have fit into their roles. Carl Anthony Towns has realized he is not who he thought he was. He is just a great shooter and a great offensive big man. He is not some potential great. He is not some can get it done every single play. You know, he hasn't shown that. He's not some crazy, crazy volume scorer. He is a brilliant, brilliant offensive second option to a player like Anthony Edwards. He's shown it's, 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 Come to fruition now. This is Anthony Edwards' team. Anthony Edwards is the defensive anchor on the perimeter while also having a defensive anchor in the paint in Rudy Gobert. That's something that's a combo that a lot of teams do not have. They are not going to be easy to score on in the playoffs. Lineups shrink. Possessions extend. You know, more half-court sets, less transition, less fast break. All those reasons are going to go into Timberwolves' favor, which are all just basic, small, but you know, present playoff changes in NBA basketball. And uh, I like them. Now, are they my Western Conference final favorite? No. I think they give anybody they play a hard time. I think they don't think they don't think, you know, based on seating where we're at right now, 
doesn't doesn't matter who they're going to play in the first round unless it's like a could get a weird matchup if they got a weird you know Warriors matchup that could turn like if and the Warriors turn things on the Warriors could you know it's Steph Curry they're champions right you could always at that at that nine ten eight nine ten range right you could be scared of a matchup with the Warriors if you're in that top seed and you've got you know four time champs coming up trying not to lose um but yeah I like them I like them this year I think they'll give somebody a hard time for sure <sighs> Haven it's almost time for you to go you got any last points you want to make anything else you want to tell the listeners before you go uh watch your daughter score some goals yeah check us out this Saturday from 9 to 11 on wake up 502 with me Rashawn Myers and I can't even call you intern anymore because I don't think you're intern. Yeah. I, I think you've outgrown an intern tag. I'm not really the intern anymore, am I? I'm producer yeah. Roman. Producer Roman. We had to find some we'll else for you, though. That's what we'll go with there. All right. Producer Roman it is for, until I can think of something better. Yes. Haven, I really appreciate you coming in today. You uh, you took a large sweat, a large uh, lift off my shoulders here. I was getting nervous. I was starting to not talk with fluidity. I was rambling. And you came in and you eased it up for me. I really do well, appreciate. I need you coming to answer in. the age-old question: Will Zion ever live up to the hype? Will Zion Williamson ever live up to the hype? He's on my big bets for the day. Can he? I also, want to tell you that before I go into my Zion Williamson point before we go to break. Can he stay healthy enough to to be that dominant figure that everybody thinks he can be? That is one hundred percent of why or why not he will be successful if he can stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, now. It's gotten to the point with Zion where I think his health is like he he can't be the first guy. He can't be he he can't be the most important guy, right? <clears throat> if he have to if you have to rely on Zion Williamson heavily every night, he hasn't shown he can do he can make that because it's already gotten to a point now where there's a little bit of a reliance on him more so than ever and he's playing more than he ever has and before he hasn't shown that at uh uh, less less you know usage rate that he can that he can stay healthy. So if Zion Williamson stays healthy. They're going to be one of the scarier teams. They're always going to be a sleeper at the with the current structure of that roster. If that roster is fully healthy, they're a guaranteed sleeper team in the playoffs. They're one of those teams you do not want in the ninth, tenth seed. They will come in and potentially scare you. But at the same time, if you're in the ninth, tenth seed, why are you there? It's because there's something you're lacking. <clears throat> so I don't know. I don't know um, <clears throat> how how much of his success, you know, he's going to really have. But I think if he ends up with a different pairing one day where, you know, it's not C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram, which I love. Two of my favorite players, actually. Ooh. I love them both. I love that trio. I think that trio should be doing better. I just don't know. I don't know because all three of them kind of have injury issues, really. But we're going to go to break. Haven, I appreciate you. This is the Mike Rutherford Show, Roman Kelly, Heaven Harrington. We'll be back. It's another year.
check it. Well, it's the M.I. Cricket Letter. Ain't no one better. And when I'm on the microphone, you best to wear your sweater. Cause I'm cooler than the polar bear's toenails. Oh, hell, there he go again. Talking that Bend corners like I was a curve. I struck a nerve. And now you about to see the Southern play get serve. I heard it's not where you from, but where you pay rent. Then I heard it's not what you make, but how much you spend. We're back. We're back. We're back. Roman Kelly here with the Mike Rutherford Show. From the UofL School of Business Studios, reporting on our last hour here. We uh, just had uh, Haven leave the studio. Now it's time to get into the last bit of this uh, segment here and these texters. we got a lot of texters still to get to. A few texts. Got some NBA texts. Got some uh, people requesting some big bets text. Big X, Big Bets, brought to you by Roman today. Hopefully uh, we get some good ones out there for you all. A little bit of Outcast coming back in for you all. I don't know a lot of Outcast though. I gotta. I need. I, I should know more. I know a handful of songs. I should. I should definitely know more. I'm sorry, but I'll get to it. No worries there. Five zero two four one fifty. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. If you guys have any questions for me, send them in. Love to get some of your all's thoughts out there as well. For this last segment, as I've mentioned a couple times in my uh, recent appearances on the show producing for mike i'm a big big nba guy i love the nba i've always loved it i fell in love with the nba what eight nine years old probably i was at some barbecue place i want to say mama's barbecue or something like that little spot over by the walgreens not there anymore but it was a barbecue spot over in saint matthews next to the walgreens in between Lexington and Frankfurt Avenue. Um, what is that road? Oh my gosh, I should know that road. I don't know the name of that road right now. I should. It's one block over from Cornell, which I used to live on. But there's a little barbecue spot over there that has a downstairs type. It's a restaurant that has a, you know, it's a front of it's a house-like shape. They've got a downstairs place you can be sitting in. And they've got an upstairs you can sit in, two bars. This is, you know, years ago. It shifted from a barbecue place to something else, and they used the same setup. So I want to say if that building's still there, that whoever's in there is using the same setup. I don't even know if it's a restaurant. I should go by and see. And they had some NBA game being projected on a projector when I was in there. I was in there with my dad. I don't know what we were there for. We used to live on Cornell one block over, walked over. And it was like a, an event, a lot of people down there, and they were projecting this NBA game. And it was like a playoff game or, or an important game between the San Antonio Spurs and the Los Angeles Lakers. Manu Ginobili and Kobe Bryant were going back and forth, back and forth at this game, and I was mesmerized. I didn't really have an option but to watch it because it was on a whole wall, so you had to. It was being projected on a whole wall in the back wall of the place. And I remember eating wings and watching this game, and I think I fell in love with both right there. I fell in love. Eight or nine years old eating smoked barbecue wings and watching Lakers basketball. And I've been a Lakers fan ever since. However, I also was a strong, strong, strong Manu Ginobili supporter. One of my favorite lefties to ever grace the basketball court. My opinion, the creator of the Euro move on the basketball court. Um, Yeah, I'm a big NBA guy, diehard Lakers fan. Big, 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 big Kobe Bryant fan. Got a Kobe Bryant tattoo, Kobe Bryant mural in the in the house. My podcast set up, Real Spill Podcast on YouTube if you want to check that out. And, um, yeah, 
I'm also a huge soccer fan. I love soccer. Football, as some call it, as I like to call it. Footy, me and a lot of my friends say. And I'm a diehard Barcelona fan in that sport. The, the, the team that, as some of you may have heard of, Lionel Messi, Leo Messi, his rise to fame came on in, in Spain, in La Liga, top tier football in Spain. Big rivals with Real Madrid. I'm a diehard Barcelona fan. I love them. I watch every game. I know every player. I don't miss a game. Well, actually, I missed a game on Wednesday because they played at three. And as you all know, the show per um, the show airs from three to six. So I was back here with my football app that giving me notifications for the game, having to watch the little tracker, you know, only showing you important things that happen. But I got to watch the replay after the game. One, one draw. Against Napoli in the Champions League. Can't complain. Not happy either, though. And yeah, so those are the those are the two main sports that are like my bread and butter. I know a lot, a lot, a lot about NBA. I'm an NBA head, my friends call me. Um, a lot about soccer as well. More so the Spanish league that Barcelona's in, but you can't be a soccer fan of any team and not know the landscape and vibe and what's going on in the English Premier League as well. I'm a, you know, somewhat of an Arsenal supporter. I like to watch Arsenal play. I like Arsenal's coach. As some of you who know soccer may know, Manchester City is a very good team in England. They're also very fun to watch. Their coach is Pep Guardiola, who was the coach for Barcelona when Lionel Messi was making his rise to fame and breaking all kinds of records and scoring all kinds of goals. He coaches that Manchester City team and they play, I won't necessarily say a similar play style to those Barcelona years, which were like 08 to 2012, 2013 time. Um, but it's a it's a somewhat similar, you know, it's the same idea, same concept, possess the ball. You know, don't let the team, as soon as you lose the ball, get it back quick. Make crisp passes, move off the ball. Lots of small minor things that that make it important, right? But they're just a beautiful team to watch. The English Premier League is super exciting right now. There's a couple different teams at the top that you you know may have heard of, may be familiar with. Um, Manchester City is always going to be up there. Liverpool's actually above them right now with 60 points. Manchester City with 56. Arsenal with 55. So it's super exciting up there. Liverpool has a game in hand, meaning they've played one more game than those two teams below them. Um, and they're going to, you know, there's going to be a, a, a fun end to that season. Manchester City is the favorite, so we'll sh- we should have to see. We shall see. Barcelona isn't having the greatest year right now. We're still in the Champions League, which is the number one tournament. Like, if you could imagine the, uh, you know, it's like, I don't even know how to explain it. If you, if you made the NBA in-season tournament thing kind of an important, super important thing and Something like that. You know, it's it's teams playing the top teams from other leagues across Europe. But enough of that. I'm just letting you all know if you were curious, you know. So my favorite team in sports would definitely be the Lakers. Second favorite team in sports would probably be Barcelona. And then third is always Louisville Cardinals. So I know some people might not like to hear that. Like, Roman, you like two pro teams more than... Your alma mater, the school you went to, the school you've loved for years. 
the teams that I have more reason to love, a lot of my fans like to say that. I have no correlation to Barcelona or the Lakers. Why do I like them so much? When I went to UofL, I'm born here. I've been a fan my whole life. Um, there's not a real reason. You know, I, I I did like UofL first, but with not a real, like, you know, solidifying reason. Like, my dad's not a UofL fan. I don't come from UofL fans. First generation UofL fan. My dad is from Jacksonville, Florida. He is a ex-Gators fan, but at this point in time, he supports, he wants to see anybody, any team pro or collegiate do well out of Florida. He wants, loves hearing about Florida State doing good, loves hearing about Florida doing good, loves hearing about Jacksonville Jaguars doing good because he's from there, but he's, you know, still doesn't even care. He doesn't, not like he watches Jacksonville Jaguar games. He just watches what's important when it's on, you know, if it, if he's in front of the TV, even my dad is a, a motorsports fan come from a background of motorsports. I'm a big motocross guy. I love dirt bikes. I love watching dirt bikes race. Um, same with cars. Love watching cars race. Not NASCAR. Not a fan of NASCAR. Not a not a hater either. I think it's a cool concept. I just uh, think there's more interesting forms of racing. But yeah, so UofL is on that third list, that third, third team on the list, uh, basketball and football more so. I've always been a UofL uh, soccer follower as well. I like to, you know, how well they're doing, catch a game. I've lived on campus for many years now, different, different houses right around nearby campus. Um, I love watching UofL soccer when I get the chance to shout out to UofL soccer. Had a couple of buddies, um, before I came in today, tell me to bring up UofL baseball, how they are already 0 and 3 and why. Unfortunately, I don't know why. I've heard a couple different reasons why I don't like speaking on reasons for something that I don't know to be true. Right. I've heard that they're having some the coaching staffs having some trouble getting players to buy in to what they're really trying to do. I heard there's really just not enough skill right now. I've heard all kinds of things from the few people I know involved with Louisville baseball and being a fan of Louisville baseball. But I don't know. I, I really do hope that they turn things around quickly. Um, I, you know, from what I know, so let me, let me sidestep real fast and let you guys know this. I started following baseball June of last year. Okay. Shohei Otani made me fall in love with the art of pitching when he was pitching for Japan in the world's in the, um, um, against USA last, last inning, ninth inning. And I, that's like, I watched that live and I was like, oh my goodness, that was, these guys are on the same team. They've never done this before against each other like this. This is, this is crazy. And I was just shocked. Um, and then I like, obviously I'm finding out within that last inning that he does, he bats as well. And then I'm asking my friends, wait, not a single human being does what he does. Da, 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 da. And from there I fell in love with Otani. And from there, like, obviously I, I, started following pitchers, trying to basically figure out how good Otani really is. And in doing so, you learn pitchers and you learn batters. Um, and I, you know, have have different – I have one memory. I have the one memory of one UofL baseball memory, and that's when the one pitcher went viral after a strikeout and the camera was on him and he had words for the batter and or catcher and or dugout for the other team. And it was vivid on the screen what he was saying. I, think, I want to say that guy went on to go to the MLB, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and Louisville football or Louisville baseball was viral for, for a couple days. But from what I know, Louisville baseball has kind of always been successful in the past or near being successful or, you know, 
college world series first round kind of team i want to say from what i remember but i could be wrong but i do hope they figure it out i hope uofl baseball gets gets on a winning path um louisville sports are one of those you know it's one of those schools that's like because of the success that bigger sports have had in the past and because of the success some sports have had so consistently i think i've always believed it kind of carries over you know into other sports like especially it seems like the women seems like the women's sports have three or four ranked teams every year across different sports and then like certain men's teams are good you know have have been good i know the uofl baseball teams have been had good seasons in the last few years i know uofl soccer in the last you know four to five years has had some really good seasons really good players um, those kind of things. And I just think that there's an expectation for any UFL team, any sport, men or women's like you want to see them do well. You want to see them at the top We've because we've seen it before. Women's volleyball, like there's an expectation now they get some of the best, you know, girls in the sport come into the school. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for Louisville sports outside of, you know, basketball right now. And I guess at the moment, baseball, if they don't, if they don't turn it around, there's a lot of different UFL sports right now that have Success coming their way or on path for it, it feels like. And that's a good feeling as UFL fans. Um, I want to say like a lot of these sports, like you like outside of basketball and then football, unfortunately, these last four years, Louisville is pretty much a better athletic school than Kentucky, if you ask me. Uh, I think Kentucky baseball has had some, had some better years. And I want to say Kentucky soccer is like they flip-flop with UFL. It's like UK soccer will be good, then the next year UFL soccer will be good. Then UK soccer will be good. But then they've been even a couple times in the last few years as well. But um yeah, I'm I'm going to I'm going to do whatever I can to start figuring more about this UFL baseball situation now that I understand baseball, I know all the rules. I've been to two MLB games since June of no, since I don't know. I've been to two, went to two MLB games in 2023. Saw the Mets play, saw the Reds play. And, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved with this UFL baseball team and see what I can figure out about them. Get to get to learn some of these players and, uh, have some comments to make next time they get brought up on the show. The second time they've been brought up now and I haven't had enough to say. It's not good, but I also just learned the sport. So I'm going to have to figure that out. Go catch a game or two in the spring training while it's going on and stuff. Um, we don't haven't, haven't had many more texters come in yet. I do have a few more NBA questions to get to here that I'd love to get to. Um, texter says, text me your big bets. I can actually, we can go into these big bets for the next, uh, break comes. I'll get those all out there. I have a few, three to be precise, college bets for tonight. The slate is interesting slate. It's one of those Ivy League nights. A lot of the Ivy League teams are playing. Um, but I've been kind of, you know, trying my hardest to not pay attention to the Ivy League teams. But for some reason, I love them. love watching them game winners from these teams. I love watching little auditoriums with a bunch of fans. Not really good basketball, but, you know, I've always kind of felt like it's not far off from the big D1 schools. They're playing the same style, just not the same skill set. But. With that being said, I like Pennsylvania tonight. P-E-N-N, Pennsylvania University, Ivy League. I like them to cover their spread of three and a half against Dartmouth. Or I've alternated it. 
So it's at five and a half against Dartmouth. They're away at Dartmouth, but I like them to win by three and a half. I like them to win by four. Pennsylvania tonight. Cornell does not lose at home. Going up against Yale. They're only a two and a half point favorite right now. I love Cornell money line tonight. Last of the college slates of the games that I was willing to say something about. It's another Ivy League game. We've got Princeton at Harvard. Princeton is a five and a half point favorite. I like Princeton to win outright. Don't know if they will cover that on the road, but I do think they get the job done on the road. They're 19 and three. Harvard's 13 to nine. So Princeton money line, Cornell money line, and Pennsylvania spread. Okay, those are my NCAA big bets of the night. And if we shift to the NBA, I got some player props for you all. And then, like I said, last night, all of the bets that I gave out yesterday hit. I hit a plus 888 parlay. I know parlays aren't the way to go. I don't necessarily like parlaying. But it is a kind of a fun way to maybe chance turning a small amount of money into a fun amount of money. That's what, you know, it's the point. It's the fun. Betting isn't for anything other than fun. And me personally, I love throwing a small amount of money on a few teams to win and turning that into a fun amount of money. And that's what I did. Got some bets for tonight as well, though. We'll get you right to it. We're starting off DeJounte Murray over 10 and a half rebounds and assist combo. He, I still don't understand why these books seem to not think that he's going to get rebounds and assist. He's a vital part of the offense, gets the ball enough times, makes enough plays, slashes enough to where, you know, he's going to kick the ball out enough times. And he's a good rebounder. He's athletic. He's tall. I think Phoenix... Suns bounce back tonight and get the win. Phoenix money line. Zion Williamson, topic of discussion earlier. I think he gets five plus assists tonight. Zion Williamson, five plus assists. And lastly, I like Giannis Antetokounmpo under six and a half assists. Like I said, parlaying is not the smartest way to bet, they say, but betting is for fun. Parlaying is fun. It's the only purpose of betting is to have fun, right? So. You can take all those, put them on one, mix them up, throw them on a few of them, take the ones you like, the ones I sound crazy on, leave them alone. But at the moment, I gave out one, two, three, four, four picks that were the big bets of yesterday. I'm four for four. And then my extra maybe slash likely pick that I also like, PJ Washington, to hit two threes also hit. So really five for five but we'll just keep it at four for four now start keeping track i'm not going to keep track of my college bets because i'm not a college enthusiast like i am an nba enthusiast nor a guru like i am an nba guru so we're going to keep track of my nba the roman nba big bets on the mike rutherford show we're four for four and i've given you four more plays tonight let me know how those go report back monday to me whatever you chose to take i'd love to hear from you about those um Texter says, who is your MVP front runner so far? I'm assuming this is talking about the NBA MVP race, as that's the only one going on right now from my understanding. I don't know if, well, I guess there's a stand. I mean, no, I bet you the NHL MVP race hasn't technically started yet. Um, So it's the only one. Who's your MVP front runner so far? Now, like I said a couple of times, I'm an avid UK hater. Meaning I really do not care for the success of ex-NBA, ex-Kentucky players in the NBA. Call me a hater. I don't care. Because I do 
have a handful of those NBA players from UK that I do like. There are just more that I dislike than like. And a lot of these, <laughs> they're NBA reasons. They're NBA reasons that I guess I was already biased on and maybe looking for one. But I do have players I like and I have players I dislike. And Shea Giltress Alexander is one of those players that coincidentally, I just don't like the talk around him anymore. I don't like what's what what, what how much it's being talked about what he's doing when what he's doing right now isn't crazy it's it's great it's amazing but there's a lot of different players that could do what he's doing if they were given the usage they were given the ball as much as he's given the ball and the ultimate green light right people have to take that into account but at the same time that's just all more of it he's efficient he gets the job done he wins games he's clutch he hits big shots he can't shoot the three that well and i do worry about his uh his free throw routine sometimes, or his free throw stroke, his form, can look a little shaky at, at times. But free throw percentage is good. Hits them when they matter so far. We'll just have to see if he can keep this up come playoff time. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, he's up there. He he really is up there. Um, Jokic is up there as well. Jokic is having – Jokic's year, he's already gotten to that caliber of where he's not getting talked about. Like what Jokic is doing isn't getting talked about. And it's not like it's it, it, there's something Jokic is doing that's probably like a career high or a season high or something, something he's never done or something that something someone has never done. And it's just probably not getting it's going under the radar because he's already at that point of where it's expected. He does it so much so consistently that, you know, it's coming. And uh, yeah, at the moment, I'd have to go with Jokic. Embiid is not going to play enough games to to be an MVP candidate unfortunately for him but yeah i like Jokic shy one of those two like it's just so weird to see it would be so weird to see shay gilch just win an mvp this year i don't know why i don't know why but we'll have to see why is everyone counting out the miami heat despite them being conference champions it's a good question not sure nba heat are a very well coached team if not the best coached team right now not right now but in the nba i think that they have the best coach who's having success right now in the sense of making the playoffs doing well overachieving sometimes even but then some people want to say that they didn't overachieve last year it was expected they just weren't a high seed i don't know they did figure it out late but they're yeah they're the conference champs they're the team that can figure it out as good as anybody you know a game out figuring out why they're down 12 and, and doing something about it and cutting that lead down and being back in the game the heat are so great at it also it's hard to get a lead on them they're good defensively they're great defensively when when everything's clicking on all cylinders the heat are great defensively so it's hard to hard to get a lead on them as well so i think you just see a lot of these teams not a lot <laughs> they're really only the only ones i think the heat and really the lakers are the only other team that's really got a form of this but this is more so like a it's a luck thing for lakers lakers somehow luckily towards the end of seasons have figured it out in the last couple of years but the heat they kind of just they breeze by let's just make sure we get a good seed make sure we can get everybody healthy at the right time of the year let's not rush anybody back when somebody gets injured they don't rush anyone back there's not a large intense priority on being as good as they can be in the regular season especially in the beginning they start off slow 
Jimmy Butler misses time till the playoffs. He's figured out. He's figured it out. He has figured it out in terms of making sure he's ready come playoff time. And he does. Um, you have to hope that that team's got enough pieces around that can that can contribute to be strong again this year. I think they do. But they also have one of those teams that they can have one of those nights where they've only got Jimmy going for them. You know, because he's only one of those. He's the only true, true um, big shot maker other than Hero. And Hero can go cold sometimes. So we'll have to see about those heat. Who's higher all time in the top 10? Players ranking Steph or Kobe? <laughs> this is, this looks like a friend of mine. Everybody asks um, this number here based on the other questions. Will Luca ever win a title with the Mavs? Uh, I don't know which one of these I want to answer first. Will Luca ever win a title with the Mavs? Mm, I'll go into that one second because I don't know about the Mavs. But who's higher all time on the top 10 players? Steph or Kobe? At the moment, it is Kobe Bryant, but Steph is right there near his tail. Steph is coming up quick. Um, if Steph Steph won another ring, I think he's right there at that 5-6 range, 6-7 range maybe with Kobe. Kobe's in that 6-7-8 range, whether you like it or not. And this is from a big Kobe lover. But we're going to go to break. I... Uh, Got some more to cover in this last segment. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Big X Radio. We'll be back. We're back. Last 30 minutes of the Mike Rutherford show here. I'm producer Roman at the U of L Business College at the L School of Business Studios, sorry. For the last 30 minutes, if there's anyone that has anything they want me to address, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Get your text in. Let me know if there's anything you want me to cover in this last 30 minutes. We had a good show today, I feel like, so far. I was nervous, but figured that out. Covered a lot. Got some L talk out there. Avoided the UK talk like we needed to be doing yesterday. It was good to get Mr. Roush's opinions, though, and meet him. He's a nice guy, super nice guy. I didn't like how much he liked the UK, but it's part of it. Today, though, we got to discuss a little bit of Kenny, a little bit of the UofL future, a little bit of NBA, a little bit of NFL. Um, and last, this last 30 minutes, I'm just going to discuss my opinions on where I see U of L football and basketball next season. Realistically, what I where I see them slash where I want them to be in a realistic, you know, mindset. I think that we have every reason to win the ACC tournament in football next year. I think we've got the transfers. I think we've got the guys coming in. I think the coaching had a great first year together, figuring things out. 
They had some enough adversity to learn some things, had enough success to feel like they're on the right path. I'm, I'm excited. Now, the quarterback situation is interesting for us. Um, Mr. Shaw, I don't know how, how good he really is. He doesn't have much experience. <sighs> Mr. Clarkson, I don't, I, like it was explained yesterday, um, he, he, he's good in these camps. He was good in, in portraying himself, but how good of a actual D one quarterback can he be? I don't know. I think there's going to be a battle for the quarterback position more so than people think. And I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. I want Carson to win out and, and prove he earned his spot on this roster. Um, but you never know. He could transfer. We could, there could be some more guys into the portal. We don't know yet. UofL football though. It's just only up from here. I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that was too good of a first season and we're going to be super disappointed when the same heights weren't met next season, but I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. I see it being a better season than this 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 past year. We lost 3 games in a row at the end of the year and they were all against win teams we should we should have beat. All teams we were better than. And Brom is is He's he's smart with his with his roster. He's smart with who he needed and who he wanted. And I think he even figured more out. And I think he got even more specifics to what he wants to do. And he's gonna have good success. I think if Kenny Payne gets fired and we get a uh, you know, Drew Scott, somebody, somebody, uh, you know, Beard, I don't I don't know, somebody that's that's competent and has shown that they can improve a team. Um, and also bring players in when they come. You know, I think Scott Drew, I think he'd be ideal. I think if Louisville basketball gets a new coach, I think borderline NCAA tournament team is the expectation in year one. And if that, like that, that's the expectation. That's that's that should be the bare minimum for a Louisville basketball team. I think the absolute bare minimum to keep your job as the coach would right. And I'm not saying that's the coach's expectation. The team expectation is. It, there shouldn't be no no lower success than than battling for a position in the tournament, right? And knowing you're going to have success in your in your conference tournament. And we haven't had that. We haven't had that in two years at all. Nowhere near it. And haven't had you know hopeful some hopefulness in in four about four years, three or four years. Um, and it's sad. Um, but I think it needed to get this bad to get to get better. Right. I think it, it, once you're at the bottom, I think we're at the lowest point Louisville basketball can get. Right. I don't think it can get much worse. Last in the ACC two years in a row. It's as, literally as bad as it gets. It can't it can't get worse. No, it can't. Um, now, obviously, it could, the trajectory could get worse. Right. If we bring a coach in who also has another bad year. But then again, there's no there's no there's no second chance. You know, there's it's priority to get back to success. And I think a new coach will do that. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see a good amount of returning players. I don't think anybody is going to do much at a higher level right now than who's on the team. And I mean, maybe there's a couple guys who feel like they can do more at a different team at the same level. I hope, hope that we convince some guys to stay. Um, and I hope they, they make the right decision with this next coach. Um, but yeah, I didn't really fully answer that question earlier. I think the, 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 the minimum expectation is you need to be battling for the tournament. You know, it needs to come down to a game and it'd be a close game or, or come down, not a game, but a decision about, you know, 
if we're really there or not. Not not us being nowhere near any team that is in the tournament, right? Um, but I'm excited. I'm an alumni. I'm I live on campus. I I have a strong desire for U of L sports to succeed, even if they're not the two. You know, U of L football and basketball aren't the two. You know, sports that or teams that I'm 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 the strongest fan for. It is deep down the team, the organization that I have the most true love for, with reason, right? Other than just watching some player that was great for the first time, I got lucky. Messi was the first player I ever watched. I got lucky. Kobe Bryant was the first player I ever watched. That's why I like those teams. U of L was like the, the the peers I had liked them. The people I liked as friends and people liked U of L. Not even my parents. Not, not at the house. I mean, my stepmom comes from, you know, her grandmother season tickets at Freedom Hall. Multiple like the last four years of Freedom Hall, she has season tickets every year. Sat right behind the basket. Like I and I got to go to a handful, a good amount of those games every year. Um, and but even my stepmom wasn't the biggest U of L fan. She's not a big big sports sports lady. Um, and I didn't have a true cause up until peers and up until my friends were. I had to choose up until someone said, "Are you a U of L fan or a UK fan?" And I had to right there. I said U of L. It sounded right. It's what I watched on TV more. It's what was where I lived. It's like why would I not like U of L? And then I get old enough, and why would I not want to go to U of L? Right. Now I'm at the point of why would I not want success for my team and 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 want there to be a priority in finding that success because we've had it we've been there all of these these um, local media guys that you've heard listen to talk about U of L basketball have said the same thing U of L is supposed to be blank right a better team than what it is a upper echelon team a uh, you know blue blood basketball school like there there is an expectation for Kentucky basketball that isn't being met or U of L basketball. I'm sorry. Um, and, and we have to meet it. It's a priority. It needs to be the priority. We're becoming a football school very slowly, but surely at this rate, if we, you know, if we were to happen another seasons, like another season like this, one more season like this, and people would, uh, it would be, it'd be a while before basketball was more exciting than football, especially with the rate at the rate Brahms on, you know, if we win the ACC tournament and then don't make the NCCA basketball tournament next year. Like <laughs> there's just no reason to care more for the basketball team, even though that's been the case for years. All all the true, true hard U of L fans have always, you know, there's been more of those at the basketball than football, it seems like. But it can only get better, like I said. We just gotta get Kitty Payne out. We gotta keep Brom on the right track. Brom has to keep himself on the right track, keep continue to improve, be innovative, um, get quarterbacks who can throw the ball when it matters most. Can he paint or not? Can he paint us to get out there? We got to get a coach who brings in big names and brings in names who are going to play for how he wants to play. And with just those two things, like if, if, if a coach who knows how he wants to play brings in players who can accommodate that Louisville has the, is going to give him the tools to be a great, great team, be a great coach. And that's all we need. That's all we were trying to get back to. 502-414-1450 Dorian's text line if you have any questions or any comments please feel free to get them to me so I can get them out there for the listeners I think I have a couple more that I can get to here I never answered 
will Luca ever win a title with the Mavs? I addressed that question, but never answered it. Luca is already a perennial great, all time great. He's regular season. Forget about it. Only reason he hasn't won an MVP yet is because his team hasn't been a high enough seed. He's statistically better than most players every year. Leading, he's he's career high in points and assists right now, which is crazy because he's averaging thirty four points. Um, now it's it, Luca reminds me though. It's like people say he's like the similar to LeBron. He's like a LeBron, and he is. He's a big body, loves to have the ball in his hands, running up the floor, and he's a you know amazing decision maker, smart up there with Braun and Jokic right now. Top, they're probably the top three best passers in the NBA. Um, in terms of where on the court you give them the ball and what they can do with it. He doesn't defend. He's fat. He's out of shape constantly, it seems like. And he's not. He's in NBA shape. He averages 34 points. And he still looks like there could be more to him physically. That's always been my one thing about Luka. Why are you at the moment the best scorer in the NBA and it looks like you're gassed at the end of every game and have a little gut? at that high level of a player. And I think he's not locked in on his body enough as someone of that importance on a basketball court to, to, to do more and be more defensively, you know, and granted with players have that high of usage, they're doing so much for their team offensively. I can't rely on them to be, you know, this and that on defense, right? Eh. Kobe has a lot of first team all defenses. Jordan won defensive player of the year, right? And then, when, and I'm not saying, like, I'm not putting Luca in that category of those guys yet at all, but he's in a lot of conversations about being on path for that. He's already done more at that age than most of the NBA, aside from playoff, like, you know, finals appearance and winning, right? His playoff average of points is, he's, you know, second place behind Michael Jordan for playoff points per game average. Couple more playoffs, uh, a couple more playoff runs, and he'll 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 be above him, right? Um, because he's just that good. He can control a game. He can control the pace of a game. Now, I think Luca doesn't win a title with the Mavs. However, I am very excited about the current team. I love their current setup. I love their current roster. I love Kyrie Irving. I love watching them play. I do think that this current team can have some success more than people are talking about right now. But I don't know if Luca is going to win a ring without his second best player being a Anthony Davis type or a Giannis type. You know, he needs that that player who doesn't need the ball to create their production. Anthony Davis catches a lot of lobs catches a lot of you know he, he rolls when he screens and he gets a lot of pocket passes he pops for the mid-range he gets a lot of mid-range he does stop the ball sometimes give two jab steps and shoot a mid-range jumper he makes him about you know 48 percent of the time 47 percent of the time so you can't complain there because he has that ability but he's a big man he protects the rim he puts a lot of pressure on the rim on offense he puts us a lot he puts a lot of pressure on the rim you saw the success with LeBron right and and just when there's a player that's offering so many different things in a basketball game than what Luca or LeBron's going to offer you know an anchor defensively in the paint Luca's not going to be that LeBron's 
more limited if he has to do that in the paint. He likes to be, you know, on the edge of the paint, in the in the high post on defense if he can, like guarding guarding that area, being able to play off the ball, cheat off his man because he's got a high IQ. He can get back. He knows he understands timing, right? Luka doesn't understand all those things yet. Kyrie Irving doesn't defend either, right? Now, neither one of them, I'm not saying there's a lack of effort with those two defensively, and they're great in the passing lanes. They're, they're pests in the passing lanes because their basketball IQ is too high. They know how to pick a pass off and create a fast break for their team because, you know, they're smart. I just don't know if Luka's going to win a title with the Mavs unless his, you know, he has an all-pro defensive player on his team. Until Luka has an all-pro defensive level player on his team, I don't see him winning a title. Just because you're looking at a James Harden, like you're looking at that, it's not iso ball, but it's everything's created. He's Luka's the system. Like how James Harden, there's the phrase, I am the system, so is Luka. And Luka is more so the system than just about anybody right now. And even then, <laughs> you look at Kyrie's production at that point, and it's like, wow, Luka gets the ball this much, and Kyrie's still able to do this. What a player. Might be my favorite player right now at the moment, Kyrie Irving. Just love to watch him. Gets it done. And he doesn't talk anymore. Not that I loved the talking. I love everything. I mean, he went to the media. I looked forward to it. But now he just he wears his antas and he goes out there and hoops. It's fun to see. But Luka doesn't win a title until he gets an all-pro level defensive player on his team with him. Hasn't had it yet. Has some players who are good defenders, but not that level. <sighs> what else do we got here? Any more texters send anything in for me? I think that's about it. I don't think there's any more text messages. We've had a we've had a lot. We've had a good good amount of topics today. Good show today. Um Yeah, we've got some uh games tonight to get into. There's a lot of NBA on tonight. Good amount of those college games I was telling you about. Good amount of women college games on tonight as well. I don't know how much it's covered, but there's a large UFC slate tomorrow night. A lot of big names or semi-big names fighting. A um, couple uh, undefeated guys, I want to say. Not undefeated, but, you know. A couple guys who haven't lost much fighting to each other tonight or tomorrow night. Marino. Marino's fighting. That's a big name. Brandon Marino, I think. Um, a lot of soccer this weekend. Look out for that. U of L's next game, as you all know, is at Duke on Wednesday. Mike will be back before then, though. He'll be able to talk about that for you guys, I believe. Good job today, Texter says. I hope to hear more from you. I really, really appreciate that. I plan to be here more. At the moment, I'm uh, looking to, to, to be uh, producing Mike's show from 3 to 6 when I, when I can, um, which I pretty much always can so you guys should be hearing from me pretty often i look forward to it i uh don't know how many kentucky listeners actually listen kentucky plays tomorrow at home against alabama i think a lot of people feel like kentucky should win the lines even right now they're a one point and a half point favorite like, they're minus 120, and the Crimson Tide are minus 110, I think. They're not even plus. Uh, so, that should be an interesting game. Look out for that. Praying on a Kentucky loss so they can just pound on to the Kentucky failures this season and the lack of success that they're having. And <laughs> oh, 
18 and 8. Should we fire Calipari? It's a bunch of freshmen. They can't defend. It's that simple. It's not the coach. Get a grip. He's going to have more All-Americans. We'll be all right. It's coming from a hater. But I do understand where a lot of Kentucky fans are coming from. It's not meeting the expectations. But most Kentucky teams don't. Like, <laughs> at least they're... At least they're giving you all more exciting games, right? <laughs> ah, that's enough of that, though. I don't have any room to talk. My team has run one, what, 12 games in two seasons. It's pitiful. It's sad. But we're near the end. We are approaching the end. And uh can only be up from here. Do you follow golf at all? I do not. I don't. I actually wanted to go golf today. Um, I really did. Or no. I had some buddies golf today, and they asked me to come, and I want to go golf tomorrow, and they're saying they don't want to go. I'm trying to learn how to golf. I don't know how to golf. I don't know anything about golf. I know Tiger Woods is the GOAT. Um, I just heard his son yesterday or the day before did not qualify for like some some PGA thing he's in. Like some, I, I want to assume it's like all young guys, right? But he didn't even qualify. On day three or something like that. Had to leave. Go home. So rough start to the to the uh Tiger Sun's career, I guess. Maybe not rough, but not not successful this weekend, from what I've heard. I don't know why. If you want to tell me why, Texter. I'd love to hear why. Um, I don't follow golf though. What should I know? Who's the who's the best in in the world right now? Who are the top three golfers in the world? Didn't a, I think an Asian guy just won something I saw. He was like plus 700 or something like that. Pretty pretty heavy underdog to win something, and I think he just won. I'll probably have to go look more into that. I went to Top Golf when it first came to Louisville, Kentucky, and I like pulled my neck trying to get the ball to hit the back net, swinging way too hard, not enough technique. Like more so like, like I was using a baseball bat trying to hit the ball. I don't know. I, I need some practice. I need to, you know get on youtube i've learned a lot on youtube so i'm sure i can learn how to fix my golf swing a little bit on youtube um i'll do so try to figure out how to score it and then i'll go play and let you all know how good i am but i don't follow it pga wise no i have a buddy who's like pursuing an amateur career in golf right now which i guess means it's pursuing a career in golf has to just start at the amateur level went to hanover buddy of mine Keep an eye on Will Zalatoris. He finished second last week and got a hole-in-one and won him and his caddy new cars. Holy crap. I'm going to have to look that up. Hole-in-one, I know that that's as good as it gets on a on a shot or a stroke. Um, How, how far away was that? Hole-in-one, that's like rare. I feel like it's even like more rare in like major competitions. Like I feel like all the hole-in-one videos I've ever seen are like guys just golfing. There's some famous video viral on YouTube shorts and TikTok and Instagram reels kind of a video style where there's these group of guys golfing and they're all they're like a team. I guess there's, there's a way to golf as a team, right? I don't know. I'm assuming that's what the vibe of the video was. They're all shooting from the same spot. Um, And they're like, all, like the first two guys who shoot 
first two or three guys who shoot all get super, super close to the to the hole in their first shot. Super far away. Got to be like 200 plus yards. Maybe three. I could hit a ball 400 yards. Side note. But, um, and the third guy hits it. He's like, the first guy's like, dude, what if someone's, what if one of us gets a hole in one? And he gets it almost, it gets super close. Second guy gets even closer. Third guy, hole in one. But half the guys have already shot already and they're already down there. So it's just the third guy in the video. And they're like, it's so far away that, and it's like downhill that you can't even see it from the angle and perspective of the, where the T is. You can't even see that it, where, like, where, like, where the hole is, right? You can see that the ball is getting near the flag, but you can't tell where the ball is actually going from the video. It's too far. And the crowd of friends down by the hole starts cheering and they're like, no way, no way. And everybody at the top sprints down and they're all cheering because he got a hole in one right after like, you know, they're that caught it on video, him getting a hole in one and and one of them saying, what if we get a hole in one right now? What if one of us gets a hole in one? I don't know why the video's always stuck with me though and always kind of made me wish like I could have that moment happen. But Will Zalatoris, Texter says, we need to keep an eye on him and I will do so. I'm going to watch that hole in one clip tonight. See what kind of cars him and his caddy got. Super cool. Second, second, finished second last week. Yeah. Wish he would have won. Kind of feel like hole in one and not winning is like, I don't know. It's like hitting a buzzer beater to go into overtime and or a full court buzzer beater to go into overtime and then losing in overtime or something. I don't know. I feel like you should get extra points for a hole in one. Like obviously not automatic win, but how you finish second with a hole in one. That means like he didn't even get a single point taken off his or put on his sheet. If it was just one stroke, right? It's like, I don't know. I got to figure more out about scoring to know why that isn't as significant as I think it should be. But we're coming up to an end on the show here. I hope you all have had a good time listening. I don't know how many listened. I do know that there's probably a good amount of you who know Mike wasn't coming in and chose not to listen today, which I would understand. It's the Mike Rutherford show, not producer Roman show, but I'm the producer. They asked me to cover and I covered. Second time I've ever done this. I covered for Rashawn Myers on Wake Up 502 on Saturday mornings once as he was also in Florida for a son's basketball game. Son goes to Holy Cross. Go check them out. Super good basketball team there. And uh, I had it was it's two hours. It's a little bit different. But so I had, you know, one little bit of practice doing this. As you all know, I'm producing and hosting now. Like I'm behind the scenes running the operation. But I've had a good time. I've enjoyed it. I'm glad that the people up here at WXBW, WXBW uh, Big X Radio were willing to let me take over for the day and, and run this. It's an amazing opportunity. I hope the listeners have had a good time listening. And, uh, yeah, if there's ever any questions you have for me, I will be consistently around the par, uh, around the show and producing. And love to see you, hear you guys, talk to you guys more. Like I said, if there's any more you want to hear from me, 502-414-1450. I'll be back on Monday. You guys enjoy. My oral illustration be like stimulation to the female gender. Ain't nothing better. Let me know when it's to enter. If not, I wait because the future of the world depends on if or if not the child we raise gonna have that syndrome. I will it know to beat the arms regardless of its skin tone. I will it feel that if in tune it just might get picked on. I will it give a about what others say and get.